This is Neve McIntosh, and you're traveling the vortex.com with Madame Vastra. Traveling the vortex. the doctor and his attack eyebrows and landed at episode number 191 and nothing is more important than my egomania i'm keith i'm sean i'm glenn how are you guys nothing is more important than your egomania i know keith yes ma'am <laughs> i actually said that nice doctor who's back how was your guys <laughs> easter saturday easter saturday my easter saturday well not anymore good. it's Easter Saturday's over now. It's, well, uh, it was yesterday. Now it's post yesterday Easter it Sunday. Easter. Now it's post Easter Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys do anything fun this week? I did. What'd you did? You go first. I one. first of all uh, on Friday went to the chiropractor. <laughs> Yay! That's fun. fun. <laughs> I got my leg fixed. Now uh, I went to Advanced Chiropractic in Lawrence, and this is the weirdest thing. They didn't do any pops or ticks or stretches or anything like that and me they did a whole evaluation and then they take this device called the activator and what it is is it looks it looks like a giant does it activate looks like a giant EpiPen, except for it doesn't have a needle it has like a little like dull metal metallic end on it and here's what they do they take this thing and they put it on each of the little tabs on each one of your bones on your spinal column and they click it and it just moves it over as much as it needs to move over to realign your entire spine and then they go and they attack all of the individual bones that are out of alignment in your body with just one little pin. Snap, snap. doesn't hurt at all. It just huh. does that you feel like some pressure on it. Pushes everything back into place, aligns you, and you walk out of there and you go, what just happened? <laughs> and I thought, oh, this, is, this is insane. This can't, this can't work. Friday afternoon. Now, she said you'll still have some pain in your sciatic nerve because you've been pinched and it's going to bother you for a little bit. And she said, but just give it a little time. And she said, also, uh, are you having any other problems? I said, well, you know, and they, they ask you all these different things. I said, well, you got, it shows you're here. here. <laughs> it shows you've got indigestion. Indigestion, what's that have to do with bones? Well, pain receptors. And sometimes if you're out of alignment, it could be causing a nerve that's blocking information to your stomach. could be blocking information. Like if you have, get stress headaches, it might be a fact that <clears throat> nerves are, are blocking up there. So I circled on a thing everywhere that I was having issues on my body. Guess what? I don't have any issues on my body today. I've, I've huh. still got a, a little bit of dull sciatic pain. I go back tomorrow morning. Um, I had congested sinuses on Friday. She did my sinuses. My sinuses are fine. <laughs> it's it's weird. Are you it's now a convert to thing. Uh, chiropractic? It's some weird... Well, that's just it. It's just nothing like chiropractic. It's nothing like you... Understand with the them pushing yeah. and popping and moving and stretching and cracking and bu- it's a whole different approach and I'm really usually skeptic about those type of <laughs> things but it seems to have fixed me but or for now I have three more appointments and then after that they said I'm done huh. they said you come back when you want to come back you come back if you know you feel like you need your little out alignment again you need taken care of so I'm giving it a go but I feel great and the hmm. reason I went Friday is because. Uh, as I said last week, my daughter, instead of doing a friend's birthday party, mm-hmm. she decided this year to invite one person to go to World of Fun. So I took uh, Caitlin and her friend Bryn yesterday to World of Fun. And that was I why I that. went, because I had to get that leg fixed oh, yeah. where I wasn't going to be able to walk around the park. 
It was great. We did the um, because the kids had soccer in the morning. We did the head games in the morning for our first games, which were a lot of fun. They did really good. Uh, then we ate lunch. We went and got Bryn, and she brought an overnight bag so she could stay the night because we did the after twilight hours that Sean turned me on to um, uh, a couple weeks ago, and we bought the after twilight hours on Saturday tickets, and so it was cheaper. And we got there at 4, and we did the four, uh, uh, park from 4 to 10. It was an extremely hot day, but the beauty of it was Saturday. Saturday, yeah. we had hardly any humidity, so it was just genuine dry heat. Yeah. Um, which, if you were in the sun, it, it was it was quite uncomfortable. If you were in the shade, you were fine. And if you were inside a building, or you were, it wasn't bad at all. So I thought, okay, I can, I can deal with that. The other thing is, we didn't wait more than five minutes to get on any ride in that park. That's there was really nice. hardly anybody in the park. Wow. It was so nice. We got to ride everything that we wanted. Because, uh, you know, we only had that six hours yeah. to do everything that we wanted. And, uh, Which, luckily, I think you can, unless there's long lines, you can pretty much knock out World of Fun. You can. Yeah, it's it's not a huge park. Um, the only thing we didn't get to do um, was we ran out of time for, because Caitlin was a little skittish about it, and I think she was pushing it off on purposes. We didn't do the Patriot. But, <laughs> yeah. that's a well, I don't think Caitlin would have got on it anyway, but... Um, so, but yeah, we did, uh, Mamba, which Caitlin, that was great for her because we, her and I did it a few years ago and she didn't like it, but then uh, she had Bryn there who was pushing her to do it. So she did it again. <laughs> of course we did Prowler. We did Spinning Dragons. Did she like it better this time? She did like it better okay. this time. Uh, we did Spinning Dragons. And of course uh, the girls did the Detonator. I, that was the only one that I stayed away from because, well, I didn't ride some of the smaller ones that they rode too, uh, mostly because I was holding their stuff, but, um, they, I, I stayed away from Detonator because having my back realigned i didn't want to do that uh, sudden upward push yeah. and screw things up so uh i stayed off a of detonator but we rode everything else and had a grand time i love so. the prowler the prowler is cool yeah um, you had not read that one i have, or, I yeah. have yeah okay. in fact that's one of caitlin's favorite we ride we, st- okay. we always ride that one when we go um but the the beauty of that one is is it's a small version of the timberwolf and i've always loved the timberwolf until recent because the timberwolf is now so <laughs> rocky and yeah. bumpy and cuz you know wooden roller coasters just do that cuz they give and it's been there for it's been there since i was in high school i think 1991 so. mm-hmm. the year that went in all right so since i've been in college oh that's right you're your older name mm-hmm. <laughs> it was there when i was in high school so it was there when i was in high school we did that, and it was a lot of fun. And then uh, Bren stayed overnight, and the girls stayed up all night watching Doctor Who episodes. Oh. Was this uh, Bren's first experience? Yeah, or? well, she uh, Caitlin had turned her on to it last week because she said, oh, there's certain episodes I want you to see, and she had a list of ones that she wanted to show her. <laughs> and Bren said, well, I kind of wanted to get... Uh, She's you know, definitely your child. I kind of wanted to watch a few to get to find out what it is and, and, and stuff. And so Caitlin said, oh, okay, well, go ahead and don't watch these. But And she gave, she's got Netflix. And she said, but, you know, here's a few good ones. And Bren was hooked from the beginning. She was, she's, she's totally into it. Well, they're so. such a good age for it. They are. They really are. They were going to watch Blink last night. And that was the only one they chickened out on because it was late. And they were upstairs and it was dark by themselves. And they were like, yeah, I think maybe we'll stay away from that one. But they watched 11th Hour, which is one of Caitlin's favorites. Uh, they watched Thank a couple you. of uh, You should tenants. totally get a Weeping Angel mask. <laughs> and just wait. And then once they cue the episode up and everything, then you just come around the corner like this. And just stand there and with just, my hands up. Yeah, like, just, just stand there. Don't move. Just stand there and wait for them to turn around. <laughs> uh, and then we today, they went. She, we took her home about noon. And then this afternoon, we, we because we were at Worlds of Fun, we didn't get a chance to watch the new episode until today. So we watched it this afternoon. That was pretty much it. I started my vacation. Well, technically, I start my vacation tomorrow. 
And Keith starts back on his normal shift after four weeks yeah. away from it tomorrow. Well, I'm actually, it's not even a normal on. shift. You're still off by an hour. Supposedly. He did. He did assign you that way, but I didn't say anything to you or him because you said you were going to wait and see. <laughs> I got an email, but no text or call, so I'm going to my normal right. time. That's what I figured. So, so that's that. I'm excited to be It's been a short week. Okay, so. I hate you. It has because we, we recorded on Tuesday. What? I hate you. Why? You have to ride out your vacation. <laughs> no text. Ooh, must be nice. <laughs> well, no. If I got a text, I would go in an hour later. So I'd get an extra hour of my vacation. Yeah. Ah. Still. But he doesn't, he doesn't want to stay that late. So. It's the principle of the thing more than anything else. Yeah. Oh, how was your uh, week off, Sean? <laughs> when did you go back Wednesday? Uh, I went back. Um, I took a shift Thursday. I worked five to close, which wasn't really even a full shift. It was just like, you know, Matt was really pleading. Can you please help me out? Can you please help me out? Can you please help me out? <laughs> I'd like to go home by five. Can I go home by five? I was like, all right, I'll come and work for five to close. Oh, really? I was a superfluous personnel Thursday. We were just kind of helping out, but there sure. was so much to get done. It was, you know, a good thing that I was there. Plus, being a manager, they kind of needed a manager on yeah. duty. And then um, I came back and I kind of looked at the schedule and I was like, yeah, I just don't want to work Friday and Saturday. I just don't. I told them I'd work Sunday. I was coming back a day early. I'm kind of pushing it is. And so I, I just, I didn't work Friday. And then he sent me a text and said, I had to let somebody else go. If you could cover just a couple of hours during the afternoon. It's like, oh, you're killing me, Smalls. Quit firing people. <laughs> I know, right? I got back from vacation. So I went in and covered lunches for him, like from four to six or two to six on uh, Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then went back to full day today. And I was still grumpy about it. And of course, because then, you know, one of the people who was supposed to work the inventory tonight was not there. And then somebody else called in sick. Oh. So I wound up working all day and then working most of the inventory. And he finally said, go home. You've gone above and beyond the call of duty this week. And I'm like, you remember that at race time? <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you get, Which uh, means bump. Because my mom was all like, well, maybe you should go in. Doesn't that mean something for you? I was like, no, it's retail, mom. It doesn't, <laughs> means I get my vacation days back. But yeah, that's, it's different. I mean, if they'd called me on a day off and said, hey, so-and-so sick, can you come in? I'd have probably done it just because that's that you, you cover each other. That's what you do. Yeah. Vacation is different. <laughs> wrote it down <laughs> it was an important thing you know i had to take time off and, and you could have easily said no i'm sorry because as far as they were concerned you were in chicago all yeah week. So i mean had yeah. i been in you chicago you could have said week. hey there's no way but you were kind enough to say yeah, i'm a I'll good let guy let what can i say so. but we um well, i knocked out a lot of stuff this week we um got down to uh, we have just the finale of stargate atlantis left to watch oh wow so we kind of mowed through the last part of the of the fifth season there. And um, th- th- this is one of the things. I- I- I've long been a Stargate fan, and I-, I have proposed it to you guys several times because I really enjoy the fact this is a show that takes chances. And they do things like in Stargate SG-1, they do um, this one thing where they basically blow up the Jaffa homeworld at some point. And it's not even a season finale. It's just a run-of-the-mill, <laughs> here's this week's episode, boom, stuff blows up. This would be the equivalent of blowing up the Klingon homeworld in Star Trek. This is kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. And to them, it wasn't. It was just like, yeah, stuff happens. <laughs> so it's, I, I enjoy that they take those kind of challenges. And as we run up to the last... Um, Episode, we, we got one that was a pretty standard science fiction trope where the character's mind switched bodies with somebody else. Yeah. And then they had to go and, and solve that. And it was kind of like, eh, okay, that's a pretty standard science fiction one. I've seen that one. 
you know, not to mention the fact that Stardew SG-1 did it with that same device earlier. <laughs> so you're really kind of retreading that. But then they turn around and follow that up with one called Vegas. It's done just like an episode of CSI. It's set in Vegas. They do the weird <laughs> thing where the camera moves around and it stops for a minute and then keeps spinning, you know, and they've got a body in the desert and everything. Well, there's an alien that's running loose, sucking people's lives out of them in Vegas. And all the familiar characters are there, but playing... There's a cop and a detective and a forensic doctor instead of the medical doctor and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Well, then you find out we're in a parallel universe. And it is a parallel universe that we visited once before three seasons ago. And normally you get a parallel universe story. You come in, you visit, you leave. That's it. That's the end of this. But the entire episode's set in that alternate universe. And the alien winds up getting a signal off at the end of the episode. And they stop him. They blow it up. Did it get to the other home world? Do they know where Earth is? No, we're okay. Except... Because of Earth's relative position in each of the multiverses, there is a possibility that in one of those other universes that signal got through. And that's where <laughs> they leave it. And I went, oh, are you going to go there for the season finale? Because all of a sudden, this is like the height of genius writing. <laughs> the fact that we had a whole episode that was set in an alternate dimension, which means nothing to us. Except for the one chance that the one thing that's going to affect us in our dimension is the signal getting through. And if that's where you're going with the season finale, but it came from the alternate dimension, that is so cool. So I'm really looking forward to that one. <laughs> um, that sounds neat. You're not excited. No, no it does. No, that sounds, no it sounds clever. I, I just, the more you talk about you the know, show, the more it makes me want to watch it. It is such a good show. It really I, is. I started watching S- SG-1 and thoroughly enjoyed it. I, just, it. I fell off because it had so much going on. And so I've always meant to kind of go back and visit it, but it's... It's become. I don't think they are. They were for a while. Yeah, yeah I don't think they are. They, uh, they Atlantis was for a while. Such a daunting task every so time they added it. a series to it. Yeah, well, and because I mean, obviously, you've got ten seasons of SG One, five seasons of Atlantis, and two seasons of Universe. If you want to do the complete package, there's a lot out there. Plus the movies. Plus the movies, the two movies that kind of actually wrap things up. But um, it's just, it's like I said, it's just one of those shows that once we got, I mean, I'd seen it kind of like you. I'd seen it spottedly. You know, when it was on, but normally it was on at that weird time, you know, oh, it's Friday night at 1030. Doctor Who's getting ready to come on. Oh, hey, look, Stargate. (laughs) Just one of those things that I would happen to catch. Uh, And then going back with Mel and watching all of them in a row, just really, it's just, it's a really good show. It's really a shame that it didn't get renewed for more Swiffy. Um, But so we did that. We watched um, two more of our uh, King Arthur movies. We watched um, Camelot which Mel had never seen, uh, and which I, God, man, it's been a long time since I've seen the Richard Harris musical. She was having huge issues reconciling that Richard Harris is Dumbledore. Could, <laughs> could not figure that one out. And I kept saying, it's him, it's him. And we had to go back and look at Dumbledore and look at a, a, a clip of Dumbledore. Because, I'm sorry, all love to Michael Gambon. Richard Harris is my Dumbledore. That's just, when I read the book and then they announced the casting, I was like, yes, that's him. Um but, you know, so we watched Camelot, and that was a lot of fun. Couldn't take Lancelot seriously. Because um, he's such a... It's the fact that he's saying all the way from France to Camelot. It's just... You know, he's just the height of ridiculousness. And, of course, every time I see Lancelot, and he's trying to do something heroic, and he breaks into song, he's very Gaston. He's very, I am the greatest person in the world. Look at my pecs. I've got chest hair. I'm gorgeous, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm laughing, because all I hear is, the brave but dangerous Sir Lancelot of Camelot, because I see Rich Uncle's... As he charges up the stairs, whacking at flowers and Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So I had a hard time taking him seriously, too. You treat every minute like it's a chance to do something. Sorry. Proceed. 
Traveling the Vortex is brought to you by the U.S. Army this week. <laughs> what was that? An ad. An ad for? It's supposed to be this. The ground has made it clear. The climate must be perfect. All the earth. This is one of my favorites. Come on, it's one of those ones that it it's a it's a it's a weak telling of the Arthurian legend, in my opinion, it because is. it's not it's not action packed and thrilling, but it's one of those ones that's got a lot of great songs. It's got very solid acting by the actors, and I've always thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, it's not it's not one of those ones those musicals that I can watch over and over and yeah, over, no, over I, again. But every once in a while, I have this just hankering for Camelot. Well, and I think the key with Camelot, honestly, is there's there's two or three songs that are really, really stellar, mm-hmm. and that that uh, that's one of them. The rest of them are just kind of there, uh, you know. They're filler songs. They're, they're filler they really songs because just to, they, to, to advance the story. Yeah. yeah. Um, but because you're having a fun time watching it, right. that makes up for a lot of it. But it's it's right. It's like like I said, I hadn't seen it in years. Um, but we watched that, and then uh, and Mel did enjoy it. Although she still thinks Excalibur is her favorite King Arthur movie so far. Um, and then we watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail, <laughs> and it'd been a while since she'd seen that. And uh, she kind of sat there with this dumbfounded look on her face, like I'd forgotten how weird this movie actually <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah, but there, there is no end to it. The cops show up and arrest everybody. And so we we had fun with that, um, and we're looking forward to doing First Night next. Is that the last one you're going to do? No, well, then we'll also do King Arthur, oh, okay. the, the Clive Owen oh, one. Okay. That's kind of the afterthought. Yeah. There are elements of First Night that are good, Glenn. Not many, but there are, there are elements. <laughs> it's got Sean Connery in it. Sean Connery. That's, a, that's an element. And Camelot's beautiful. The blue roofs, and that's <laughs> it's a beautiful rendition of it. Yeah, but the blue roofs were borrowed from the musical Camelot. Yeah. That's what they look like in there. Because that's what they look like in there. And then uh, we went and saw Sin City. A Dame to Kill For. How was that? Uh, it was really good. It's not quite as much fun as the... Well, we watched the first one before we went, so I, we'd, we'd do that too. Um, but it's not quite as good as the first one, and I think that's just because when they did the first Sin City, they obviously picked probably the strongest stories out of the yeah. batch of comics to do that. And so this would kind of be the second best batch of stories that they could come up with. Um, the fun thing is that, for those of you who have seen Sin City, obviously you know Marv's story arc kind of comes to an end um this is set before that so there's a lot of marv in it oh and it's pretty much the whole movie set before yes city really yeah i did not know i did not know it was a prequel yeah well it's it's not set before this is if you go back and watch sin city all the 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 bruce willis hardigan stuff that's Mm kind of like the first story and then it goes and tells a bunch of other stories and then it kind of wraps up hardigan it's been a while since i've seen chronologically all of the hardigan stuff would happen first okay then all of second movie would happen and then the rest of the original movie would happen. So it's kind of oh, set so right in the middle of okay. it. Huh. Um, but the entire cast came back, except for Clive Owen, uh, who his character Dwight is played <clears throat> by Josh Brolin. So, I mean, at least you got a good actor to replace him. And at first I was like, well, I don't understand that. But then it made sense because when we back, back and watched the first one, there's a line about how Dwight's back in town with a new face. So ah. he had some sort of plan. And it was like, oh, okay, fixed. You know, I just... <laughs> Boom, I'm with you. So I wonder if they didn't go after Clive Owen on purpose. I wonder. Yeah, I don't know. But um, How was Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it? He was very good. He was very good. And, I mean, the entire cast was was, was great. Eva Green was great. Um, uh, I love Was Marv. she creepy? Oh, yeah. Okay. Creepy and naked through 
ninety percent of the scenes that she was in. So there was an <laughs> so, added bonus so she was for that. Green. But she was Ava Green. Um, I love Marv. I absolutely love everything about this character, and Mickey Rourke plays him with such. It's just it's just one of those fun roles that you can tell he's having a blast doing. And so even though it may be one of those things that didn't make a lick of sense, it was like, we're going to go beat some guys up. Hey, let's go get Marv. Hey, Marv, you want to come with? Yeah, that sounds fun. And they would go and beat guys up. <laughs> hey, what are we do? We're going to go break into this place. Let's go get Marv. Marv, you want to come with? Yeah, that sounds fun. And <laughs> so it was just that kind of nonstop Marv beating people up. I'm all right with this. <laughs> Once again, shot gloriously. Uh, it was a very pretty movie, even for being you know black and white. But yeah. it really, I, I, I know a lot of people were like, "Oh, they're doing a second sense." Yeah, it made sense to. Well, it's not. It wasn't like it was a one standalone graphic novel. There was more stories that they yeah. could tell. I mean, it's not like they're doing a sequel to Watchmen. Exactly. Which they did prequels in the comics. So. Yeah, exactly. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. The th- one thing that surprised me is I thought we would get a little bit more of Josh Hartnett's character. Mm-hmm. From Did the first film, back? he's not in it at all. Oh. And maybe again because of the framing of how the yeah. story sits, maybe they're going to do something with him if they do a third one. I don't know, but mm-hmm. I just I just kind of assumed his character would have been back and there wasn't. But yeah. not like he's doing a lot. Yeah. Hmm. But no, that was uh, that was good. And then hmm. um, we had inventory tonight, and that was pretty much it. We had Katrina this weekend. She was she's a little off. She was just a little. Um, Pain in the took us all weekend. I don't know what the sounds deal like. Was. A terrible Tuesday, yeah. starting a little late. Well, and it's weird because she's—you guys met. She's such a good kid yeah. all the time. And she's rarely a problem. But this weekend, man, all weekend long, Grandma was frustrated with her. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. But some kids have their moods too. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I did. I don't think so. Keith, what'd you do this weekend? Rearrange the apartment. It's nice. <laughs> it looks really nice. Uh, Wednesday, I uh, pretty much spent the day clearing off our computer desk and getting it ready to be moved and cleaning out this closet so I could store stuff in it, um, which I'm really proud of the closet. And then went and played disc golf with uh, Sarah's brother. I won this time. Last time, when, I, <laughs> when we went last Saturday, he won. Right. But part of that was he discovered the this throw instead of this throw mm-hmm. that makes sense he discovered the underhand throw mm-hmm. and so the, like the last several holes he was trying to get a hang of that and if he if he can aim it he could be really good yeah. he ended up going out and buying like five of his own discs oh, on wow. Saturday in a bag and oh great yeah so he's really into it um this then, golf is like Doctor Who it just takes once oh yeah it really <laughs> and, then, is. and then we've got gotcha. and then Thursday I spent uh Dad came over in the morning, and we moved the desk, and I got a chair and some other stuff from his place, and then I pretty much spent the rest of the day just rearranging. Uh, Sarah was at work and then had class that night, so she didn't get home until, like, 8.30. So I, I was up at 11 and just did that all day pretty much and got everything done except for hanging stuff on the wall on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So, and... So you can't just do this sort of stuff in silence, right? So I put on uh, Series 7, Part B. <laughs> a lot of the episodes I haven't rewatched. I really like Clara in it. Looking, I, I was able to kind of pay, well, doing other stuff, look past the mystery that we were f- so focused right, on and watching right, it the first right. time and see her characterization. Such... So much stronger than I realized she was. Well, it's like Sean said last week. It's, it'd be nice to explore Clara not being a plot device. Yeah. And I think 
going back and watching the second half and, of and series seven, you can much there's, more. There's no mystery there anymore, yeah. so you can just focus on her as a character. Because I, I rewatched Rings. Said not that long ago we did love that, uh, love that one. I don't care what the rest of we had Bell's says. Not That's long ago for Friday Night Who, didn't we? I think we did, yeah. Or either that, or I just rewatched it. So I did that <laughs> one, uh, Cold War, Hyde, and Crimson Aura. Aura, Aura, the Crimson I, Aura. I, I would. I think before the fiftieth and after the fiftieth, I went back and rewatched Name of the Doctor and Silver Nemesis, Cybermen. So of course. <laughs> So that was really cool. I love you. I love that. <laughs> hey, Keith, it's got a Cybermen. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't matter what it is. A couple weeks ago, when I was still on the mo- on, a, on Friday, when I came back from Friday Night Who, I, I went over to your place, and I just popped in Tenth Planet for no reason and stayed up till like four because I was already up anyways. So I was watching that. <laughs> um, and then hanging stuff yesterday, or on, on Friday, I popped in uh, Firefly and... I never watched it with commentary. So I watched Our Mrs. Reynolds with commentary from Joss Whedon, Nathan Fillion, Alan Tudyuk, and Ron Glass. I re- and now I want to go and watch all of them with commentary. <laughs> it was so enjoyable. Uh, other stuff I've done is played a lot of Ratchet and Clank Into the Nexus. I'm on my second playthrough of that. That's been a lot of fun. Uh, watched Warm Bodies, the zombie romance comedy. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen that? Mm-mm. I've not seen it yet. It was surprisingly good. Like, I liked it. Really good. It was... The trailer does not do it justice. It's such a unique perspective, a, a, a new take on the zombie film. Because, I mean, you go into it and there's a zombie and you get his inner monologue and he's the way he is and doesn't remember anything, but wants to connect with the people around him and meets this girl and pretty much comes back alive because of everything that happens in the movie. It's really fascinating. And I I don't know if I was looking for it or it just struck me during it. So wait a minute. We've been doing it wrong. We don't try to shoot them and kill them and blow their heads off. We try to connect with them and, and, and treat and them as humans. And, then well, they, and that's the thing. is That's how we rescue them. Right? The, the plot of it is so ridiculous of, wait, so he comes back to life because of love? <laughs> but it's such, it's done in such a charming way you don't care because <laughs> that, that was my initial thought watching the trailer it was like what he's coming back to life because he fell in love with, how, how does he even fall in love he's a zombie but they have a really nice plot development or plot device in it where when eating the brains they kind of absorb the memory of the person they have they're eating Okay. and so he ate this girl's boyfriend and Who that, has memories of her. And, and feelings of love for her. Oh, all right. So, because in theory, um, that's an interesting concept. Yeah. Like so, and that, that once they kind of introduced that, I was like, "Wow, that's really clever." Because I mean, if you think about it, uh, like in Heroes, how it, they brought it up. If you think about it, if a soul exists, it's in your brain, and so the zombies are consuming their souls too. So you would get the emotions, the feelings, everything. That's, that is you, is in your brain. So, really well done. Um, also, I don't know if it's just because I'm so kind of engrossed in Planet of the Apes and therefore metaphors everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost an uh, interesting stance on interracial dating. Because there are the humans that are very much against it. And there's another faction of zombies called Bonies, which pretty much, they're walking skeletons. 
And so they're both kind of the, the zombies that are becoming human again are, and the, the girl who's got this relationship are kind of stuck in the middle of this war. And it's, it might be a, it, right, yeah. it's, it's unintentional. I was sold on this movie until we got to this. It, it's, it's unintentional, I think. And I think I just found it on accident. I don't know. It was, it was really enjoyable though. Uh, Rob Cordry does a pretty good job in it too. And Nicholas Holt is good. John Malkovich is John Malkovich. <laughs> Um, and then other than that, uh, we're almost done with season three of Buffy. How's Sarah liking it? So. Uh, pretty good. Um, she's ready for Spike to come back. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see what she thinks of Angel when, when she jumps. Because that's, that's why she started Buffy, was because a friend of hers at work was very much, you should... You should watch Angel. Angel's I'll watch really this, good. but only so that I can get to that. Yeah, and and it's funny that she's latched on Spike, who doesn't show up in Angel till season five. <laughs> so it's kind of it's, that's unfortunate. It's, yeah, it's kind of weird. So I, I've had a lot of fun rewatching that. Uh, cool. There's a lot of good episodes there. Um, and then since she's watching Buffy, I started watching the Mindy Project. It's it's kind of charming. I tried it. The first episode I wasn't that sold on. The second episode kind of won me over a little bit more. There's a great exchange at the end of the episode that I I, I found enjoyable. And then the next one was kind of meh. And and it kind of bounces back and forth between, oh, that was kind of fun, between meh. So (laughs) I'll keep going for a while at least. The thing they've got going for that show is she's not Kelly from The Office, so oh, well, see, people should not compare their, her to that. But having not watched I, The I Office, I tried a few episodes of the mini see, project and I just couldn't get into it. I like the guy who, the, the main guy who plays against her. Um, he was also in the newsroom, so I kind of like him as an actor. Um, and a couple of the supporting characters, I I, I like so. I rarely watch a show for the main character. So. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Who is kind of the exception of. I mean, Buffy. I watched. I watched Buffy for Giles, Willow, and Xander. I watched Angel for Cordelia, Wesley, and Fred, and Gunn to some extent. So I mean, it's, Firefly is in one that is another anomaly where it's I root for the main character just because they're so good, but. There's not Firefly has a main character, but it's so much more balanced than right. everything else. Right. It's more of an ensemble piece. Yeah, I think that's all I did. Cool. Well, should we move on to news? News. Oh, do we want to talk about what we did tonight? Oh yes, we should. Before we recorded this, something that I think Sean is working on right now. Mayhap. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we were recently. Uh, Challenged or, or nominated for the um, ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. We are frequently challenged. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which we uh, took part in tonight, so look for that very soon. In fact, hopefully that will be up before this uh, episode even posts. And uh, we want to thank uh, Alex Giles, or Moldwitch as he goes by, um, for for challenging us. And uh, we put forth our challenge. Should we, should we say who we challenged, or should we wait? And, of course, but if you get this up before, they'll already know. That's so, true. Might as well just say. Let's might as well just, just say, say it. it. All right. Well, first of all, the uh, Five Ish Fan Girls podcast, um, you've all been challenged. So um, good luck Yay. to you. Because <laughs> that'll be a hard one to orchestrate since you're all in different parts of the uh, world. Or Each parts of the just have to do it North America. Yes. Uh, Key, who'd you challenge? I challenged Dr. Phil. From the adventures in space, time, space, and music. 
podcast. And, and then, Sean, who did you uh, challenge? I challenged the Regal Geeks, a little closer to home. So, uh, Sean and Max here in Topeka, you guys are all on the clock. You're up. 24 hours. So, uh, we're all drying out now from that because we decided <laughs> to do it pre-programmed. So, um, we all changed, and I'm sitting on a towel. So I'm completely dry now. So I'm, 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 I'm for the most part, dry, too. So. Of course, I we I had the benefit of recording at home, so I can just change. That's clothes. true. That's true. Uh, and Keith and I, we kind of have a uh, connection to ALS. A coworker and friend of ours uh, actually just passed away last month from the disease. Uh, right as this kind was starting to start out. Oh, we found so, out about when right. this was and starting. So that's uh, uh, we kind of dedicated our um, uh, challenge to uh, him as well. So. His name is Kent Wallace, by the way. So, all right, now let's move on to news. News, not much news since you know it was Easter Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the BBC has announced uh, Doctor Who Extra, a brand new series on BBC iPlayer and YouTube. Extra. It's basically <laughs> a condensed Doctor Who Confidential online. Have you Na- seen narrated any of it? and everything? Have I watched. You, I watched the watch first it? one. It's the first one's eleven minutes, kind of ironic. Eleven to twelve, you know. Um, oh, I get it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so it follows Peter Capaldi through every step of the way of creating the first season. So it's kind of it's it, the first one was really done really well. I mean, and it's eleven minutes, so it's not he like creates the entire first season in eleven minutes. No, or this is just the first part. <laughs> e- of the first each episode will focus on uh, creating each episode. Okay, I got you. <laughs> So it's kind of it was like talk games, about Sean. an abbreviated, uh, <laughs> yeah, and spoilers. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first two minutes of it was great when they focused on deep breath, and then when they started telling I me about so everything the rest of the season. <laughs> oh, it was really enjoyable. Um, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you're inclined to watch that sort of thing, and I never really watched much Confidential, um, but we were. Real upset when they came. <laughs> we we like the premise. I like confidential. I watched a couple on the Blu-rays and DVDs. I mean, because depending what tru- season you watched, shortly, they got truncated. Oh well, yeah, so. I saw. I think I only saw the truncated ones, yeah. and shortly after we started, they canceled it anyways. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's not like I could watch a lot when it aired. That's pretty much it for news. That's then, it. Right? Yep. All right. Well, I suppose then we should move on to feedback, which we don't have a lot of this week, but. First up in feedback, coming from hashtag mashed. Comment question. We're laughing so the viewers are right. <laughs> Unlucky in love. Can't find that special someone. Why struggle with being the person no one wants to date when you could be 13 people? Introducing romantic time traveler boyfriend plus XD plus. The wibbly wobbly timey wimey time traveling dating simulator. Use Jelly Babies, Cricket, Menacing Eyebrows, and your favorite Time Lord quotes to woo companions throughout all of time and space. Unsuccessful? Don't worry, you can always put on a brave face. We hope you enjoy the latest clip of the five Who fans, and I am Prinkle to celebrate the return of Doctor Who. If you like, please share and get it out there. It's a really quite cute cute. uh, anime dating simulator video that they put together and we'll include the link in the show notes absolutely so yeah so if you thought we were reading out our spam again we sort of (laughs) (laughs) it's sort of a spamish 
concept for a clever email. So, and it's unfortunately least, all I, I, I say can anime hear. style. It's the kind of it's not the pertwee anime style we saw. A no, while ago. it's the more. It's, it's the more. Japanese cutesy, yeah, cutesy, really big eyes, and oh, that kind of fruity Yoni bar, fruity Yoni bar. bar, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> that's an official style now. <laughs> really, <laughs> what are you going to animate this in? Fruity Yoni bar. Oh, fruity that'll Yoni be good. Oh. Which is ironic because, like, before shows lately, Patrick has been playing this show about some this anime show in that style about some squid in this nunnery. <laughs> it's a really, Great. really weird show. <laughs> Great. So I, it just felt serendipitous just to me that we got this video. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know what the it's called because so. Keith will put a link in the show notes. We'll, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll look that, that up for you. Unfortunately, all I could hear was Doctor Otto Bob while you were reading. <laughs> that, so. The voice I tried to put up. All right. Next up is Holly. Holly writes, Deep Breath. Hey guys, what an episode. I loved the new title opening sequence. The Doctor calling Strax quite a few of the Seven Dwarves names had me chuckling. Him also thinking Clara was Handles was interesting. I do have to give Clara credit. She is taking this in stride, even though she does want her old Doctor back. The regeneration sickness has seemed to hit the Doctor pretty good. His everyone take five and falling down, I could kind of see coming. Vastra knocking the doctor out cold so he could rest was interesting. Vastra's comment to Jenny about a stranger being in their midst and kind of directed at Clara has me wondering if this isn't something that we should pay attention to. Maybe Clara's changed as well, although she looks the same. Or maybe it's just me reading too far into it, and it's just Vastra's way of saying they really don't know her and still a stranger to them. Quite an interesting twist on the clockwork men from Girl in the Fireplace. I'm sure there's a lot more feedback waiting in the wings, so I'll wrap it up here. Looking forward to hearing everyone's thoughts on this episode. Holly from Wisconsin. Very good. Thank Thanks, you, Holly. Holly. We'll give our thoughts momentarily, but first, our last piece piece of feedback this week is from Chrissy. And Chrissy writes, The Scottish Doctor. Dear Vorpet Text Boys, a word on the Virgin. What's the phrase you guys are fond of, fond of using? Oh, yeah. It's not for you. <laughs> Sorry, but after hearing your assessment on the books and the movie and considering that it's one of my favorite new series ever, that's all I can think to explain your indifference to it. It's all right, though. I'm not a huge fan of the Apes movies, and you guys seem to enjoy that. We all like different things, and that's perfectly okay. <laughs> that's too, I wondered that's when true, we Chrissy. talked about that last week if she would take a little bit of Well, and it's my, my review of it is solely based on the movie, so I haven't read the books <laughs> right. or seen what lies beyond the first movie. So I know Sarah's a big fan. All right, she goes on to say, anyway, deep breath. Okay, here I go. If people were looking for this to be an episode like the 11th hour, where it's this hard reboot for a, where it, where it's this hard reboot for the series, yeah, they'd be disappointed. The thing is though, it's not supposed to be a hard reboot. There's a new doctor, yes, but we still have the same companion, Clara. And there's a lot of fallout from the time of the Doctor to deal with, but the episode gets there eventually. Honestly, I adore this episode. I loved it and went... Oh, I love how it went at a slower pace and we got to see the Paternoster gang in a domestic setting and get a more full adventure with them. I love Vastra and Clara's scene where Vastra is talking to Clara about hiding behind veils and faces. I stand by my meta theory on Clara. 
Yes, she's seen the doctor's past faces and she knows about regeneration, but she knows about it in a theoretical sense. Kind of like, as a newish Doctor Who fan, know that the doctor regenerates and he's been other people before, but I've never had to deal with the uncertainty myself. Not until Matt Smith left and Peter Capaldi came onto the show. This is the first newly regenerated doctor that I've had to deal with, just like Clara is dealing with now. So I think Clara's attitude about the doctor, how she's confused because his brand new face looks so old and he doesn't know who the new, and she doesn't know who this new doctor is going to be like, what this new doctor is going to be like, is fitting for this point in time. I feel like there are a lot of new fans that joined the show during Matt Smith's run and they might be feeling this way as well. And yes, we got a spikier, more unpredictable, and dare I say it, darker doctor. But Capaldi's performance is unpredictable in such a way that rather than scaring me off, I'm curious as to what he's going to do next. Even when that comes in the form of him leaving Clara behind to fend for herself against the clockwork droids, and she's scared out of her mind because she's been abandoned. Out of everything I've seen in Doctor Who that ranks in my top five scariest scenes in the show, the Doctor running off and leaving his companion to figure out a dangerous situation on her own. But I love how she maintains her trust in the Doctor while also relying on her own wits to get herself out of the mess. She talks her way out of danger, not not unlike what the Doctor does on so many occasions. And then he comes back for her, which I thought was one of the best moments in the episode. The final show showdown between the doctor and the half-faced man was absolutely chilling but it was done in such a way that whilst the doctor is a more abrasive and threatening his priority is still about protecting innocent people he still cares a great deal about earth and the people who live there he has a different way of showing it but it's still there he even carries over it even carries over into the final scene with clara which i was somewhat spoiled on months ago but i didn't mind that i was he wants her to stay. She sort of wants to stay, but isn't sure of it. She isn't sure if she should. You can tell that she's scared of all these changes that have happened, but it, it takes a phone call from Eleven to help her put it in perspective. I love the idea that the doctor is scared, but how many times does he ever get to show his fear? He didn't do it very often when he was a more emotional doctor. By that, I mean that he wasn't as hesitant to show any kind of emotion Not that he was prone to crying or whatever emotional typically means. (laughs) So what makes you think that the more gruff 12th Doctor is going to be inclined to show any kind of fear at all? I love that the Doctor comes out of the TARDIS with the speech about, I'm not on the phone, I'm right in front of your face. And then Clara hugs him, and he says, I don't think I'm the hugging type. (laughs) Which kind of shows that he does need a friend, even if he's not going to make a big deal out of it very often. I like the balance that we're getting. It's a blend of Papa Wolf and Jerk with a Heart of Gold tropes, which, if you don't know what those are, go to tvtropes.org and look them up. Also, someone mentioned a while back that Capaldi's Doctor is probably going to end up like what we want, what they wanted to do with Colin Baker's Doctor. Just going off from the first episode, I'm inclined to agree with that theory. I'm interested how this will actually turn out. And the Matt Smith cameo, I know there's going to be cranky old fanboys who complain about how Moffat got those icky feelings in Doctor Who, but I thought it was appropriate and well done. 
On one hand, it was a nice twist to have the Doctor's previous incarnation reassure Clara that everything's going to be okay. And on the other hand, they've never had the last Doctor show up post-regeneration and make fun of the new Doctor's appearance. That doesn't happen until they have an excuse for a multi-Doctor story, and then they all make fun of each other. But the whole thing was very sweet and and feels inducing, and I liked it. So in summary, Deep Breath was a great bridge between two eras of Doctor Who with a solid start for the 12th do- to the Twelfth Doctor. I like the changes in tone in the episode, plus the new opening credit sequence is amazing. They've done so many space-themed credits that I think it's time for a time-themed... Yes, I realize I repeated myself. The technical stuff looked and sounded great. Granted, I'm never very... I'm never terribly picky about that kind of stuff, though I do appreciate the new bookcases in the TARDIS console room. And I want that wingback chair that the Doctor was sitting in. And I'm excited to see what's going to come in the new series. I'm sure I'd had more to say than... I'm sure I'd have more to say if I thought about it, but I'm rambling enough. I'm rambled enough. Uh, I'll let other people have a chance to chime in and see what they liked. Hooray for new Doctor Who. Take care, everyone. Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. And one more bit of feedback. Oh, we got another one. Coming from Eric. Oh, late, late, late Late, breaking. Late breaking. He says, deep breath. Hey, guys. I honestly didn't think I'd be even listening to the show during this period, let alone writing in. But the stars have aligned in just the right way. Not only had I caught up on the last two Matt Smith specials since I first called in a few months ago, but my wife and I had a windfall today. And we were unexpectedly able to get a season pass for Series 8 through Amazon Prime. All right. Nice. I'd say I haven't felt this way completely caught up on in the latest two for the... Completely caught up in the latest who for 18 years. But that would be a lie. <laughs> the truth is I've never experienced this. Cool. Not only am I up to date, but I actually know and interact with people who are excitedly watch... Who excitedly watch it. My family included... This time. That's a nice place to be. And there is no reason to expect it to go anywhere anytime soon. Yay. As for Deep Breath, I was mostly pleased with the episode. The performances were good. Capaldi was great. I'm interested in seeing what he's like more when he's not in the typical post-regeneration lunacy. I'm intrigued by the direction that is being taken with the ambiguity over the... Which of the two characters was lying about their basic programming. I'm honestly hoping it was the Doctor. I'm really hoping that Moffat has decided that just as Matt Smith's Doctor needed to be the end of the first regeneration cycle, Capaldi's Doctor needs to become the Valiard. The way I see it, the mast- from the Master's perspective, he would have assumed that the Doctor's final incarnation uh, was his 13th. If he had imperfect knowledge of the origin of the Valiard. The Master wouldn't have suspected the incomplete regeneration from Journey's End, nor would he have suspected that the Time Lords would grant him a second set. But since those events happened uh, between his 12th and 13th incarnations, was the transition into a new set of regenerations and events so powerful that the Doctor used it to take out whole armies. What if one of the consequences of gaining these new regenerations is that his dark side starts to amalgamate into a second personality that starts to slowly take over. With all of the sound bites of him asking Clara if he's a good man and talking about fixing his past mistakes, I can't help but think that 
the story might go actually go that way. Now, I did have a couple of deep sides, if you will. First, Moffat's monsters really generally monsters generally fall flat for me. They seem primarily designed to scare children and not designed to make sense as a creature in a viable universe. Sometimes they're not as bad as others, and they're just one off a one-off monster. Their nonsensical nature might be easily ignored. When uh, when they are brought back for a closer examination, the flaws start to show. So I could have ignored my disbelief in harvesting and application of organic parts as a viable source of materials for manufacturing devices when there was just the girl in the fireplace. But it's harder to do that now when they've been brought back in this way. My second sigh over a problem I had with dinosaurs on a spaceship. Considering the show's roots as a program designed to teach kids about science and history, I really wish that the inclusions of dinosaurs in a story would prompt them to consult a paleontologist to get the details accurate. <laughs> and just because Jenny and Vassar discuss whether or not the Tyrannosaur was too big does not excuse it. TV Tropes calls this a lampshade. I consider it lazy writing. If your story requires you to inexplicably increase the size of a dinosaur so that it's able to swallow a TARDIS, perhaps you should rewrite it. And put some feathers on it, please. <laughs> it's late. Probably too late to get this on the show. Later, Eric. Nope, Eric, we Not got it. Not too late. Thank you, Eric, for writing in. Absolutely. And um, I like some of your points about uh, the uh, possible flirting with a dual personality, the doctor, and, and going into kind of a Valleyard state uh, um, for the show. Um, it's a neat idea. I, it is a great idea. Number one, you should be writing for the show. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, I'm afraid that that's hopeful thinking, though, because as cool as that is, and as much as I'd like them to go that direction, I just don't see. I don't. I just don't put Peter Moffat going there. Uh, Peter Moffat. Uh, Stephen Moffat. Yeah, Peter Moffat might go. Peter there. and Moffat. Peter might go. Back, Peter and Moffat. But uh, Stephen Moffat going there with that. But uh, I, I'm, I'd be. I'd be. Along for the ride if they did, because I think that would be a clever idea. It's it's one of those things, as cool as it is, and as much as the fanboys out here among us would like to see that, and I'm certainly one of those, I would like to kind of address that a little bit more, if nothing else, to kind of... Clarify it? Yeah. So let, let, let's, just, let's shine the flashlight on that and not, figure out exactly not, what was going on here. Well, it still seems to be like a, a dangling uh, plot device, too. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, even though the, uh, the Valyard was name-dropped... Leading up to the uh, to the fiftieth, Stephen Moffat is very much not a fan of the Sixth Doctor storytelling, and uh, not that he's not a fan of Colin Baker, but he's not a fan of that era, uh, specifically six and seven uh, of the show and how the, the the stories unfolded. So unless he's gotten very ambitious and thinks he can fix it, I don't really see him going anywhere near it. Well, that would be the only reason he would do it, I think, is because he'd feel this need to go back. Because I think Moffat's had this idea of patchworking. You know what I mean? By going back and seeing inconsistencies. Yeah, going and seeing inconsistencies in the classic series and and just patching it as he goes. I think the, the regeneration cycle was one of those things because it's been so flippant since the they set the 12 regenerations and... And there was one other thing that I thought of the other day that, that oh, hey, Moffat, you know, he's done it again. He's, he's gone back and he's, I can't remember what it is, but I. I well, he's a, Paul McGann's official now. Yeah, well, there was, there was, there was that's one as well. You know, go back and. For, and for all of you that didn't think he was, and he was, now it is official. Yeah, so, so patching those kind of things up. Well, yeah. uh, mentioning that he brought his granddaughter to uh, 
uh, Akaton before. Well, all know, the those references in yeah. season seven, the Hads alone. Right, yeah. right. Which some people could argue that that was uh, because it was the fiftieth year that he was just dropping that kind of things for that stuff. But I just I, I get the impression that Moffat, if he 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 kind of goes back and patches some of that stuff, and I think that that's leads to the validity of him attempting something despite the fact that he's not a fan of the Sixth Doctor. Or, yeah, Sixth well, Doctor. And, and even if it's another writer, more than anything, it's got to be a good story for him. Yeah. Or a cool idea. Just look at the Ice Warriors as a prime example of something he didn't really want to do until it was a cool somebody idea. convinced him of it, yeah. Yeah, so maybe somebody convinced him or he has just a cool enough idea. Thank you very much, Jerick. And who knows? I mean, the, the line in who that episode knows? was... Between your 12th and final, wasn't it? They didn't say 13th. No, just 12th and final. So, so we, we've got a whole new generation in the... Yeah, <laughs> so there's there's still more that they could do with later. Right, right. We just move the goalposts. <laughs> Shall we move on to Deep Breath? Let's do our reviews. When a dinosaur materializes alongside the Houses of Parliament in Victorian London, the Doctor's old friends, the Paternoster Gang, are relieved when he arrives, seemingly to deal with the creature. However, they soon realize that the Doctor is the one in need of help, newly regenerated, extremely volatile, and questioning his self-worth. This is a very different man to the one they last saw. The only person that may be able to help him is Clara, and she is still grappling with losing the doctor she knew and loved. Dun, dun, dun! Indeed. You, 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 yeah, we watched it together. You felt like you needed to percolate on it a I little bit to, from I, last I, time. There's a lot in it that I really liked. Um, but there, and I think there's a lot in it that we can't take stock in yet. At least in his, as far as his characterization. Yeah. Because so much of it was manic... And I don't think he's going to be that way all the time. I think a lot of the manicness was post-regeneration finding himself. So on a second viewing, uh, what I really liked about it was his still moments. Like them kind of sitting in the the, uh, restaurant talking. Um, Some of the other moments where he was a bit calmer. I I, I kind of got a sense of who, what he's going to be like. Uh, the final scene with Clara or the final confrontation with the half-faced man, I kind of got more of an idea of what he's going to do with it. And I like the, those things. So, and really, the, the, the plot is, it is what it is, but what what's fascinating, stepping back from it, not as a story, but from as a fan and as a fandom, kind of like Chrissy pointed out, it's fascinating a fascinating approach to regeneration and dealing with regeneration of this isn't, this is the same guy, but he's is different. And, you know, the having Clara kind of stand in of it's not my doctor anymore. I I really appreciated that aspect to it. That's. Hmm. Okay. Well, I expected more from you. What do you mean? Well, you just, you seem so, I need to think about this, and you were, you were very non-committal. Like I could tell you enjoyed it, but it, you, it, you didn't it, necessarily it, want to say that you came out and enjoyed it. You a, really a wanted second, to think a about second it. Second doing was definitely necessary for me. I think. Yeah, and I, I did enjoy it. it was, there was a lot of fun in it. There's a lot of funny lines. It's much more serious overall in tone, I think, than what most of 
Matt's run was. Mm-hmm. So it, there is a definite tonal shift. And I, I kind of like the idea of that the poster generation isn't in modern day. I, I kind of like that. Um, so thinking back, all of, obviously, the new series was modern day, first episode. Um, and like Pertwee's was, and I... Others obviously weren't, but it's kind of nice to return to that state of, um, I, it makes it almost feel more alien to have him dealing with all these issues in a, a, a different setting than what we would normally expect from this show at this point. Kind of like having an older doctor come in. It's nice that he was not in modern day. <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Glenn. Um, uh, it took me a little while to let this one sink in myself. I think the the things I, I thought it was a it's a fine start. I think that it sets up a mystery of this doctor, and I don't think we get really get to know what we're going to get. Like with the eleventh hour, and I think even um, Christmas Invasion, for those two regeneration episodes, I think by halfway through I knew that I felt like I knew what this doctor was going to be like um, and then certainly by the end you know well, what you had. especially 11th hour yeah. I mean he almost hits the ground running once he comes back to modern to older Amy right so this one it I, I'm, the jury's out as to what Capaldi doc, Capaldi's doctor is going to be for me I think we got glimmers of it I think we got hints of what to expect um, not that that's a bad thing, because I kind of like him to work into these this new pair of shoes and see where we go from it, uh, go with it. Um, but that was that was another that was why it was I had to think about it a little while because I'm I think I'm so used to just figuring out who the next Doctor is once they're in the role. Um, so that that could be good and bad about it. Um, I like that they. I like that this episode was actually more like Rose, and we kind of explored it from Clara's point of view. The Doctor's really not there much. Um, he, in the first, you know, right out of the TARDIS, he has well, this wonderful... He, is, he's he has this wonderful scene right out of the TARDIS, and which is funny and manic and fun and, and is as well acted, and it's so Peter Capaldi. Um, and then he's in bed, and then the, we're we're disconnected from him for a good chunk of the well, episode. He spends so much of it away from everybody else, right? And it doesn't. It isn't until him and Clara meet in the restaurant that we really kind of put them back together. But then they're separated once again. So I really liked that we were exploring Clara's character in this and her dealing with uh, the change. And I think that if you stepped back and look at this episode. Moffat, it was it was a calculated effort on Moffat's part in order to write this in such a way that he knew that he had picked up a lot of fans with the Eleventh Doctor. He knew that he had uh, us old fanboys wondering what this you know first time getting an older Doctor was going to be like. Um, he really wrote this episode to kind of transition everybody into. Uh, Capaldi's doctor. Uh, I think he did a nice job of explaining things, of making us feel. I, I know there's a lot of people out there that were very, very hesitant, and they were, uh, you know, afraid of what this new doctor was, and maybe even a little bit resistant of an older doctor. And in dialogue, 
he 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 He's, really kind of nailed that. He he nailed he he realized that he had to make a lot of people comfortable right. with what was about to happen, and I think he handled that wonderfully as far as writing, as far as building on it goes. Um, I like the 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 idea that that Clara. She's she's got one idea of how she is, and everybody else has another idea of what she is, and it really kind of is a meet in the middle point because yeah. Vastra calls her out on a lot of things that she was exhibiting, but Clara comes back with a "how dare you" attitude and really kind of throws it back in Vastra's face. But if you look at that scene, there's a lot of both of what they were truth to what both mm-hmm. of them were saying, and yeah. I liked that that kind of met in the middle. Um. I absolutely love the fact it, it, it bothered me when it happened, but I love the fact that that Capaldi ran off, that the doctor ran off when the door cl- was closing and he couldn't get it back open, and trusted Clara enough to work it out herself. And I thought that was cool because when you when it first happens, you're like, "What's he doing? This isn't very doctor like running off, leaving your companion behind to fend for herself." And then when she goes through that whole scene. And they do the little flashbacks, and she remembers in her mind things that he had dropped, hints that he had dropped about hold, how long can you hold your breath and those kind of things. It really gave Clara a great way to show how strong of a character she yes, really is. absolutely. And then they go through that and just have that just battle of wills with, with the half-faced man. And then knowing that still having that element of trust that the doctor was going to be behind her and he was and that was such a that was that was a monumental moment for the episode for me it was just that that amazing. was when it felt like he had become his doctor or started to become his doctor at that point and that where while they had the nice scenes in the, on the in the booth and on the way down and all of that it was that moment where i felt like oh, okay it's doctor who again did you guys have that at all, or was it just me? No, and it was kind of just there's, like there's no moment in this story that I felt like, oh, there's there's the Doctor Who that I'm familiar with. Oh, none of it, none of it really. Um, which I, I, is not a bad thing. I'm actually okay with that because I'm I'm ready to, I'm ready for change. I'm ready to explore. Another element of this that I really liked is the dynamic between Clara and the Doctor. Yes. Yeah, and that it's it's not quite that bickering couple. But she, they're they're, but she they're won't constantly put up with any of his crap. Constantly yeah. challenging I love each that other. Part of it. Well, he won't put up with her crap no. either. That's what was cool. Is yeah. they they were constantly challenging each other through dialogue, and I love that because while I enjoyed the relationship that the Doctor had with Rose and with Martha and with Amy, there was always that point in the program early on for each of those companions where they were reading each other's minds and they were BFFs and they were, you know, they could finish each other's sentences and, and it, it really has kind of gotten tiresome to me mm-hmm. that they've become such an in sync team that it's almost like there's no individual personality that they're just, they're so like perfect for each other that I wanted something a little more like Donna who still had that buddy chum, very good relationship, but was very, would challenge the doctor on every step and would clash with him and make him think about things. This is a different dynamic in the sense that you've got a very strong-willed, strong-headed doctor so far, <laughs> and you've got Clara on the other side who's struggling with this. And they're just cl- and I love that dynamic. So I think that that was a, a, a excellent thing to do here. And I hope they keep that up. I hope it doesn't fall into that comfortable shoes. I would agree. Uh, 
situation where we're just familiar enough with each other that this is what we do, you know. Well, and I, I want to shy. I want to try to shy away from comparing him and the run so and all this season to the Sixth Doctor because I feel like it's going to be done a lot anyways, and I don't think think it's fair to Series Eight or Peter Capaldi to compare him to anything that came before. But saying that, it almost feels like Six and Perry a little bit done a little bit better. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. with with maybe the conflict's better. The, com- the conflict is. You're better, not yes. frustrated with the arguing, arguing. You're actually enjoying it and taking each side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that that's kind of I want I, I, I want to avoid it, but I want to I think point that, out that similarity also. I think those comparisons are going to be inevitable, just from the standpoint that w- w- there's been such a thing built up about it's going to be a rocky regeneration. And it's going to be a darker doctor. It's going to be a darker doctor. It's going to be the and yeah, part of that. It just you, you, you take that with a, a grain of salt, just from the storytelling aspects of it. Going through everything that he went through, leading up to the fiftieth, through the fiftieth, and then into this all makes sense. Oh yeah. That, I mean, yeah. Of course, this regeneration is going to be a little rockier. It's a whole new thing. He's got no idea what really to to go. I kind of wish they would have almost mentions that in the episode how it was a whole new set and said it was just a regeneration. I, I think they could have played that into the story and making it more manic. Well, and I, I, I think part of the reason for not doing that is it keeps the number nebulous. Because okay. at any point in time, fandom is all going to say, he got a new set, he's got 12 more. And at any point in time, somebody down the road could point back and say, we never said that. They just gave him regeneration energy and he could regenerate. It can go on at infinitum. It could just this be point. this once. It could just be. Well, I doubt it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, but didn't they, I doubt didn't it. they say in time that a whole new set? Nope. Oh, okay. I thought they they've, they've never actually said it for his character, mm. for the Doctor. So, I, I think that I think that's a calculated move to not say it, to not pin it down. But I think I think that's just you know, like I said, within the confines of the story, it makes sense that that's that's where this would go. I. We watched it, and I enjoyed it, but I really felt like I needed a second go-around. Part of that was because Katrina was just not behaving during, so I missed a, a good chunk of it in the middle. So Mel and I sat down and rewatched it again um, later, and definitely a second watch-through is so beneficial, partially because of the accents. Yeah, it takes a little bit to which get used to, to just, Scottish yeah, to, get, to get used to the cadence. And wow, do I love the fact that we're just going to flat out call attention to it and the whole line <laughs> about, why do none of you sound normal? <laughs> Until Vastor starts speaking, because Neve McIntosh happens to be Scottish. And he's like, oh, at last, somebody talks normal. <laughs> oh, and then the whole the whole scene in the alley was just so wonderful. Oh, and yeah. With, with, with the, the, Except for saying my doctor's scarf is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that was great. I'm okay with it. <laughs> it was funny. It was, it was really good. Um, well, especially the... This <laughs> scarf, a really long one. No, that would be stupid. Because <laughs> if you're going to call out a costume air item to get the fanboys to go, ooh, and then go, no, that's what you it's, do. It's, it's, it's the, you poke fun at the scarf. It's, you poke the fanboy bear. I like it. And, and the whole... This, the, the thing about the face of it looks familiar. I've seen it before. That I, I, I that hope that really, we get more of that. I think, I, I think that's enough. I think Honestly, that's. Where, I think I'm good. I think what we're doing is I think we're going to go back and we're going to pick up some stuff in the, this new series. I think the whole idea of him trying to figure out why all of this was familiar with him, with the clockwork droids, with the using harvesting parts in order to repair ships and repair. I, I like the idea that somehow 
the Madame Missy. No, Madame, oh. Madame de Pompadour. No, Madame yes, uh, but the this Marie was the, the Marie Antoinette. That the Marie Antoinette was somehow went back through time, crashed, and this is <laughs> that that ship particularly. And and what a, I, I know Eric wasn't a fan of it, but the whole time we were watching this, I was mesmerized partially by the performance of Half Face Man. Because he was really phenomenal job. and creepy and just amazing. He was significantly creepy. Um, but the makeup, the, the the how they did that, and that wonderful side shot where you can see all of the gear work and going when he's on, thinking and, about or, or and the eye and, and the moving, and, you know, which was just kind of hovering and, and and doing this whole thing. But then you still had the profile of the human side on the edge. Just, I found myself just mesmerized by this, and what a cool. Not quite steampunk, but this clockwork droid. And I kept going, this is just like Girl in the Fireplace with these clockwork droids. It's just like Girl in the Fireplace. <laughs> Didn't even dawn on me that it is just like Girl in the Fireplace with clockwork droids. But what a cool idea to bring them back. Because I know there have been fans out there going, oh, when are you going to bring the clockwork droids back? And I'm kind of thinking to myself, never. I mean, they were cool, but they were a one-off. That's it. There's, and there's... it was a sub-part of the story. Yeah. I mean, the... the main part of Girl in the Fireplace, at least that I remember, is the relationship he gets with Madame the Pompadour. Exactly. There's no way to... Realistically, bring those villains back in a plausible, re- believable way. Oh, here you go. And, and then he manages it. to do it. And, and ups himself, uh, I think. And does it, the ante does it bit. in kind of a sidestep that they're not the same robots? They're from a sister ship, but you know, okay, yeah, go. I'm, I'm there. I'm with you. This is cool. And I love the fact that ultimately all of that came up to, nah, it doesn't ring a bell, and we move on <laughs> just because he's not all there yet. Um. There, there were there were so many uh, just down the line moments with I mean just just for the open, okay dinosaur yes not to scale, <laughs> I don't care <laughs> I just I love the fact that we got a dinosaur story without it having anything to do with a dinosaur story oh, and it's dispatched so quickly yeah it it, it wasn't a a a, a, a pre-metazoic period it wasn't something that you know we were dealing with the jurassic era or the Mesozoic, uh, uh, whichever one the dinosaurs were in because uh, jurassic's actually wrong um but um it didn't have anything to do with that we get that great opening shot like we are so here's a dinosaur and here's this red sky and we're all immediately going oh we're in the past nope well we are but not where you think we are and then it Coughs up the TARDIS, and that's simply the vehicle that, you know, oh, it time traveled because the TARDIS was stuck in its throat. Okay. Yeah, and then we dispatch yeah. it and we move on. That's, that's my least favorite part of the episode. Really? Yeah. It, here's my problem with it is it felt like spectacle. It really it felt like. It felt like <laughs> that's it, what it was. It felt like it was dropped. You know what? It felt like Russell T. Davies, which I love what Russell T. did. I loved a lot of his stuff. But Stephen Moffat always seemed to kind of step away from the over bloated spectacle that, that that Russell kind of did in his era. And I think he calculated or he, I keep saying calculated, I think he, he rightfully did that. In fact, he always mentioned, you know, the, the one line that I always go to is a 60-foot Cyberman walks through London and nobody remembers I it. thought that of kind that of during thing. this, yeah. And, and, and so I'm sitting there the whole time going, okay, so nobody's going to remember a, you know, 100-foot tall dinosaur, which the size of it did bother me too. And I, I would agree that if you have to have a dinosaur big enough to swallow the TARDIS, then don't have a dinosaur. Do something else. Come up with some another plot device because I just felt like that was way too it could have just implausible. Been alien and then and then it big. was dispatched right away, which I'm okay with. That had there been a reason for the dinosaur, it, it, it was the whole spectacle element. You had to have something that could swallow the 
TARDIS to, to deliver it in such a way that it made a big grand entrance for everything. And then suddenly you catch the dinosaur on fire, which was shocking and surprising. I didn't expect it to happen. But it combusts just so the clockwork droids can have the optic nerve of the dinosaur. It seemed pointless and out of place, and I didn't like that. I thought the, the, the story was so dramatic and so telling and done, was, was pacing... No, pacing's the wrong word. Was going along so well on its own that it didn't need the grand spectacle, and that's what bothered me. That's I what I that, don't like about it. I thought that was a cool transition, that we start off with this bang. That's what you think you're going to do. And that's what you think... It, it was it, a purposeful happens, misdirection. That, that it, a lot. Well, yeah, but I mean, it started off with this, and that's then a, it, it turned trope. into that's this. Trope. Just, that's a comic book trope, is what that well, is. No, that happens all the time. It is. It's, 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 it's a splash page. Yeah, but exactly. it, it, it just turns into this. No, yeah. this is actually a very detailed character study of Didn't this piece, and it tied back in. Obviously, that, you know, they wanted the optic nerve, and they've been around long enough to recognize what this is, and that we can use it, but. Yeah, no. but it didn't. It didn't have to be that dinosaur. It didn't have to, no, be, a didn't have to be a dinosaur. No, I just thought it was cool. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, have, my, I have no reason for it other than I thought it was cool. He brought back. It makes sense that there's a big spectacle. I, I backed off from the RTD era. I backed off on from a Stephen Moffat right? Yeah, it was a Stephen Moffat episode, <laughs> but it was still an RTD era. Um, the, and I backed off on pacing because that was my other problem with this: is it was it was too long, it was too slow, it was too drawn out. Um, I think it could have. It, it could have been. I think Moffat was afforded an hour and twenty minutes, and I think he felt like he needed to take his time to tell the story to get everything in. But it, the pacing suffered from that. I, I think he. They gave him, I, think, I think it gave him an hour and twenty minutes, and he filled an hour and twenty minutes. Is no, what I think happened. The I don't think he is, needed it. Only an hour and I don't think he needed it. That's the problem. Is no, I, I think yeah, it needed to be about that. an hour. Well, I think they needed to trim it up. That's, yeah, I think you're saying what I'm saying. Yeah, they needed to really trim it up and kind of. Pace it out a little better. Um, it it there's there's moments that you could have while the him drawing the chalk equations out on the floor was very impactful in the way that it was part of the regeneration sickness and he's kind of it's basically him putting his mind on paper so that he could calculate things. They didn't go anywhere with it. Yeah. There was no it was, need it was for dropped. that. Um, Unless the, that's going to be a recurring thread throughout the season. The, the bedroom scene oh, was interesting and a bit comical, but unnecessary because he, him trying to get out and him trying to convince him, which set up the nice line about the, the, the accents, which I agree with you. I, 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 I love See, how they addressed that, and that was fun and necessary. I, I loved the entire bedroom scene. Just the the because um, it's such a doctor conversation. You have a whole room with a bed that you ignore. <laughs> what do you do when you wake up? You go out of the room. Why is this here? But, but I, that's just something that you totally time, would think of. I thought, how many wasted rooms do you have in the TARDIS that you never enter? <laughs> that's true. That's, that's, that's all that went through my head during <laughs> that conversation. The thing is, that was all done. How many times have you gone in the swimming pool in the last ten years? The thing is, Once. though, that that was all done for comedy. Well, as, yes. as a producer myself, I would have known to cut there. Uh, if you're going to cut a piece of comedy, I'd cut the Strax giving Medical Claire the physical. Yeah. That, 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 that could, seemed that strange. Gone. Now, don't get me wrong. I love, love Strax. People I love, love the, the pattern Strax. Um, the thing is with that, Difficulties though, with you know, uh, society. The difficulties with, with fitting in. The people love that. But yeah. I think that now you're we're, we're playing at it a little too hard for the benefit of getting that laugh. And I think that's, well, and that, that's something that I've come complained about from, from day one with this is that Strax has become the comic relief. And he's not. He is a proud Sontaran warrior. He should be afforded the opportunity to, do, you know, do something cool every now and then. 
And if you're going to make him the comic relief of this particular bunch, he had his moments. He had several of those moments throughout this thing that were fine and funny. The scene with him and Clara didn't really need to know. Other than since you already had the one of him getting the TARDIS. Yeah, where she hit her with the paper. Right. And then had a nice funny moment at the end. Right. You know, and and him falling down the... uh, (laughs) <laughs> when they come unrolling down oh, the thing, that, that which was, was amazing, that and then strikes falling. That was awesome. Oh my gosh! But you, I was dying when that happened. That is enough. That to me was like Strax yeah. has now filled his 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 comic quota for the episode, and I didn't need this examination of him going on with Claire. Other than it kind of drove home a little bit more about the. Uh, Clara's thought you process, you know. That's the problem. But, which is, we all know he's going to come back anyways. <laughs> yeah, but it's part of the emotional could have been journey cut, for Clara. We're all not the driving home is the driving home a little more pieces yeah. that needed to be. Cut. Yeah, that, that I agree with you. Um, so was it, it. was it too long? Yeah, we it was, it. <laughs> but it was still fine. I mean, don't get me wrong. If that had been released as a Hey, here's a deleted scene that we couldn't fit into the episode, and here we're going to put it online. I would have loved it. Been, that been we'd have probably fun. all been going, how come that wasn't in the episode? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I still would have realized. That I would have looked at it going, okay, I can see why they cut but that. But if you're going to cut something, unfortunately, as much as I love Strax, that's the scene that I think really could have been trimmed up and kind of helped with the pacing just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because I think everything else, everything with Capaldi is necessary. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be hated for saying this, but I really appreciate what they were doing with the 11th Doctor. I appreciate the, as Chrissy pointed out, the the unique way to kind of have the past Doctor poke fun at the, at the present Doctor now in such a way after the regeneration. Um, I would have been fine with even Clara on the phone for just a quick brief conversation, but that conversation seemed to be dragged out for me. I didn't need all of that. I didn't need... I I felt like Clara should have learned herself her problems with the new Doctor. She should have explored all of that on her own, and if they wanted to have Eleven make a phone call real quick, just as that tipping point, which I think is what they were trying to do, that would have been fine, but I just seeing Matt there and they just kept cutting back to him. Maybe even just his voice on the phone would have been better for me. It just I, I, cutting I, back I, and I, forth. I like Chrissy had been spoiled I felt that like, scene. I well, thought, and I knew that he have. was going to call her. But yeah. I just didn't know that scene was going to happen as I didn't know they filmed something. Did. I didn't know anything about it and I loved it. And I just, <laughs> I, I think that that was I guess part of me is also, you know, this is the 12th Doctor and he really needs his time to prove things to us. We don't need the 11th to tell all of the fan boys and girls that it's okay to accept the 12th Doctor. I, it's okay, Clara. You can you can trust this guy. While I think that Stephen Moffat used this episode to basically convince people as to why this is going to be a good Doctor and why this Doctor Who is still going to be this you know solid storytelling that we've had, uh, that just almost went a little too far for me. Well, I, it's it's very meta. The entire episode is written in such a way as to, as you pointed out, you know, Matt Smith is this young guy, and he's well, made a I, lot I, of I, money for BBC. And we're kind of concerned about you've cast this curmudgeonly old gray-haired guy as the doctor now. So the entire episode is written in such a way as if to take those, the, those young fans who came on board with Matt, or maybe even David, and, and kind of go, this is the way the show works. 
It's about change, and it's about not making prejudgments, and it's about it's everything that gets said to Clara is basically being broadcast directly yeah. to the oh, audience. Absolutely, that's why I say Moffat wrote that. Yeah, that way, and 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 the the entire episode from top to bottom is done that way. About he's still the Doctor, and he's still this, and he's still this, and even the Doctor is having these these kind of crises of conscience when he's like, I you know, I don't understand this, and who did this, and why do I look this way, and blah blah blah. That. You know, it, 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 it's it's kind of putting everybody on that board that we're already on because you know we're this old hat to us at this point. We've been through this enough times, but it, 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 it's everything's leading up to that. And then having Matt in there is the tipping point. It is the you know what this is going to be okay. Putting it in the story context again, leading up to everything that happened in time of the Doctor that he's been on Trinzlor for six hundred years. And that he's lived out his life, and we kind of thought this was going to be the end, and then it wasn't. And so he's regenerating, he's back in the younger state, he's had his fish fingers and custard, and he calls her. And I love the fact that they went back and showed her hanging up the phone. Like, Which it was like I, oh, I, I always, didn't catch that. I remembered her hanging the phone. And too. I always thought that it was weird that the phone was hanging out there in the episode. And now you know. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. I loved that. But just the fact that Matt's on there going, it's okay. I don't think it took anything away from Capaldi. I don't think it took what's, anything what's, away what's from the What's also great doctor. about that is his speech after that phone call. Yeah, yes, is that's what, what, what sells it even more. That. I, just, I, I guess what I'm saying, though, is... You were ready to I, move on. I think everybody should be ready to move on. And I just... It felt like it was too heavy-handed, I guess is what I'm saying. It was very heavy-handed. That's why I say, I think that I would have been... I'm, I'm fine with the phone call. In fact, I'd reserve myself to that, knowing that the, the phone calls made and I was spoiled on that as well. I just think that we spent way too much time trying to assure everybody in that conversation, and it was it felt it just felt a little too heavy handed was it unnecessary? No, I'm not saying that, but I think that that could have been just kind of clipped up a little bit and and just been a kind of you know trust me, this is me, so yeah again, knowing that he's going into this with a whole new set of regenerations and not really knowing what to expect. I don't have a problem with him making that phone call as the doctor in character. That that to me was just like, okay, I'm good with it, you know. Did I, I squeal a little bit with it either? I just think it was too many. I, I, I don't think was the too phone call. Now, here's I think the whole thing was heavy-handed with the message. Well, of here's the thing. Well, that's why I say I think it's I think not just that scene, it's the entire there's, episode. There's places in there that I would have trimmed. I, I think I think Moffat did a good job of conveying to the audience as he said a, a change of character in in the writing because it is meta. I just think all of it was a little too much. Well, here's the key, is a year from now, when we come back to this episode and rewatch it, not as, hey, here's a new Doctor, but just, it's a Doctor Who episode. How well will it hold up? It's it's going uh, it's, to be boring, and I'll tell you why. It's not because hold up as well. while it was compelling, interesting, interesting now, because we're just we're we're trying to get everything now we can out of the twelfth Doctor because it's so new to us. When we're used to the twelfth Doctor and we don't need all that explanation and all that exposition, it's it's going to be it's going to be a bit boring. It's going to be I'm tough one, to get. Through. I'm wondering if it's going to be that, or if we're going to look at it with a whole new light with what's going to happen to Clara. As the season progresses, are we going to be able to come back to this one and go, "Oh wow, look that we that's had all what, this"? That's what that's we. So. That's what I hope, and that's what we have to trust that yeah. the rest of the season yes. builds on this and and builds on it well. Because that's hard to say. You're exactly right. What what will we think of this? Because it's 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 hard to say not knowing. Because regen- regeneration stories in general are a little tough. I mean, you you've got with the exception of a few 
pretty much anything from five on has been dealt with this. Oh, he's got the regeneration sickness, and the doctor's out of it. And so you get these little glimpses of something, or you get a very manic well, performance before they stabilize, or you, you, you get something along those lines. people have seen it, but that first happened in Power of the Daleks. The Power of the Daleks. Okay, so it's just it does. It's, two uh, to three. Yeah, well, even ben three is a little off, Ben and Polly oh, are... very short for yeah. three. Ben He's and just Polly, in the hospital. <laughs> ben and Polly are kind of left to their own devices for a while. The doctor wanders off and pretends to be the examiner on this planet when he's trying to figure out what's going on. And they're, they're really separated for quite a while. And he's kind of aloof and mysterious. And it's you know, because he's gone through this regeneration. And somebody so. on the After Who special, I can't remember who it was, talked about that and how Polly kind of pretty much accepted him right away. And Ben took a few episodes. And then by the time he accept, Ben accepted him, you as a viewer kind of realized, oh, wait, I accepted him too. Yeah. yeah. So it really makes me want to watch Power of the Dog. Yeah. Um. <laughs> The reconstruction, <laughs> something. But even even in, in in the new series stuff, obviously we've got um, you know Christmas Invasion where David Tennant's in bed through the whole thing, and you don't get any indication of what his doctor is going to be like until realistically the last five minutes. Oh, it's longer than that. Well, yeah. ten minutes. The last ten it's minutes, longer than that. Whatever it is, when he's up and <laughs> actually yes, doing stuff. But yes, you're absolutely right. That honestly is kind of a snapshot of everything you're going to get from Tenet. It's really kind of cool to yeah, watch it's that the last now. Third of the episode, but you're absolutely and, and right. And see how they worked it all in. He's got this. He's got this. He's got this, and he's got this. And those are all elements of his character that you see later. Eleventh hour, we've kind of all come on record and said, "This is how you do it. This yeah. is just." And it's as Keith said, it's where he comes back to pick up. Amy and she's older that you, and that's, you, that's you when suddenly he get yeah. yeah you suddenly get well, and you know what this doctor's like watching this one it's also interesting seeing eleventh hour going back to the kind of not hard reboot yeah format with all the references is kind of a nice soft transitional period that yep. you kind of need for you, something you get like you this. get the references you get the the familiar companion you even get the familiar TARDIS to a point I mean oh, because yeah. we get the same basic interior of the TARDIS that we it's left. Just relit. It's relit. And it's got it needs a few, few more roundels. Yeah. <laughs> I love <laughs> it needs that a few line. more round things. Um, and it's got the, the wing-back chair, which I agree with Chrissy. I want that wing-back chair. I, want, I, is it I me like or furniture is that a back the to the movie? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I think it was, I a, like I think it was a call forward to, hey, this is an older doctor. <laughs> he needs <laughs> <Good> a lounger. <laughs> it did swivel. Um. But yeah, so that that'll be the key for me is being able to. Oh, I did love to, the line of uh, "You've redecorated." Yes. I don't like it. I don't like it. Which um, it felt. It felt a little forced. It did feel a little forced <laughs> because he didn't rec- redecorate that much. I think it was. I a, know it's the only one she's known. I think it was another metal line. It, yeah, yeah, I guess. Is she talking about the TARDIS? She's talking about his face. Still, yeah. well, that's true. <laughs> I think it was a jab. Yeah. Because of it was an opportunity to say <laughs> it about the TARDIS, but it was a jab at him. The only thing that I can nitpick on with this is that Clara's having such a hard time with this regeneration and this doctor and his new face and he's older. And yet, she's met all of them. Oh, good. This is the last <laughs> thing we can talk about because that's my other point. No, I have a lot more to talk about. You but know this how, is the one nitpick I You have. know how I've been saying all along, and I, don't, maybe I haven't said this very clearly on the show, but I certainly talked about it when we were on the Five-ish Fangirls podcast, that I was always under the impression... That yes, Clara has seen all of them, but it's, that's a splintered Clara. So I never ever really grasped the concept that she was completely conscious of the fact of everything that went on. That splintered Clara got to experience everything, but the the Clara that was then taken out of eleventh, that was rescued from the eleventh timeline, 
maybe had glimpses or ideas or maybe this just kind of floating out there concept that it happened, but never would remember all of her encounters with any of the doctors. Well, and I the mean, girls were I never, I never thought of that. Girls, that she was ever there for a regeneration exactly. before. And, well, but but he, she knows that he has several but, generations. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what they they were trying with this was to, to nail down the fact that this was her first time experiencing it. Yeah, but I always felt that she came out of there with a omnibus, om, uh, omniscient knowledge of what had happened, but not details about what she did in her splintered personalities. I never thought of it that way. That's a good point. That's why I was a little more accepting of this until, well, until I think back and I think Michelle had brought something up that was said. The doctor says in the uh, day of the doctor that this is 10, or she introduces him to 10, but she says, of course, you've you've met him or you've something to that extent. That, that, that then led me to believe, well, maybe she does remember more of well, it. I, but think she, I think she remembers the incarnations, but it's still knowing the incarnations and experiencing a regeneration. I mean, it's it's. it's yeah, the I see where you're going, but I see. I, I, I still go back on the idea that it's easier to accept this difficulty with accepting the new Doctor if she doesn't have this presence of knowledge of everything that happened when she went back through his timeline. So, I don't know, Sean. I I jumped in there, but that's just that's. I never thought of it that way. Like I said, if 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 she has all these memories, I would think it would be easier for her to accept the fact that he's changed and is now this guy. Exactly. Unless it's one of those things that you know, I never thought it would happen to me. (laughs) And that's what Keith's. I I, kind of take it as it's educationally she knows this, but emotionally it's completely different. Educationally, I, I, I knew what it would be like to go through a divorce. Emotionally, <laughs> I did not. <laughs> there you go. That's ding. That's a good analogy. That's a really good analogy. Or, in, or educationally, I know what it's like to lose someone, to, uh, mm-hmm. for my grandparents to die. Emotionally, yeah. you have no idea. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's true. So it could go either way. That's how I take it more than anything I, else. That's a, that's a very good statement on it. The... Um, I have to go back and talk about all the stuff that I liked in this because there was so much. Can, um, can, I, can I point out a, a yeah, reference I, I didn't catch until my second viewing? Go for it. Amy, did you catch that one? Yeah. I did, and I thought that was out of place, actually. That was things I didn't uh, like. I, I liked it. Uh, times like this, I missed Amy. Her long legs. I, I liked it. I oh, know. that's why. That's why. Okay, she I'm was all right with it now. For, sorry, yeah, she was reaching for the target I, or for the sonic. I didn't make that. He, I didn't make that connection. Okay, so I thought it was a backhanded comment too. But now you now that you say that, okay, did, is that why? Did you just think that, or did it was that conveyed? No, he said times like this. I wish I miss Amy. Right, I know what he said. Yeah. But, uh, I, but I got the impression it was because she was klutzing through it, not that she no, didn't I, have I, long enough legs. That's what I took it as. I, See, you took it different than I, me. Took, I took it as a, yeah, that, that was kind of necessary. I thought it was kind of a, uh, but yeah. I, I don't see why else he would miss Amy. I think she would have klutzed through it just as much. No, she, I and, got and the impression it was situation. because, I think I, I, I got the impression it was because they were so in sync and worked together that, you know, he could have, Flipped her the screwdriver and she would have got it immediately. That's what I took out of it. So that his set me off a little his bit. It wasn't good enough for her to get it. I would agree, but so <laughs> that's why I could take it the other direction. Um, Had the flip been right on and she missed it, it'd be different. I, I when when he goes and decides to first of all when he's smelling out the chalk, 
which I agree, random scene, I'd have cut it unless it's going to lead to something later on. Right, right. I kind of hope the smell is something that this doctor keeps. Like Matt Smith tasted everything. <laughs> like he would just no. walk Ten around. Tasted more stuff, well, didn't he? Uh, both of them, it seemed like they were always sticking things in their mouth and licking rocks and whatnot. And so I, I kind of hope that Capaldi's is more of a smell thing. I don't know why. I just, the idea of him with that kind of hawk beak nose <laughs> and, you know, wandering around, I think that's kind of a clever. He did sniff a lot. Yeah. Um, so I kind of hope that that. I love the fact. Oh, we got some thunder and lightning going on. Ooh. I thought that's that what that was until that one popped. <laughs> and uh, nobody on the mic will, or on the <laughs> podcast will be able to hear that. Because no. there, we had that happen one other time. And I was like, oh, did you hear that? And then I listened back to it and went, they nope. think we're crazy. <laughs> we're here. We're just randomly. It's the forbidden zone. I love the fact that he went to the door and decided, nope, boring. <laughs> Climbed up the window. And as he's running across the rooftops, shouting things to the big, sexy dinosaur, it was just like... I love this man. Yeah. I, just, I love yeah. everything I that he's done so far. the not lines were a little bit too yeah. much. <laughs> I, well, I would it, agree with that. Somebody wrote a very interesting article about this, and they said, in a way, we've now let the monster out of the box in a way that I think was very unintended. And I have to agree with what this guy said, is because Peter Capaldi's a very red-blooded kind of guy versus Matt Smith. Who, No offense, but Matt, the idea of Matt Smith having... Any kind of relations is almost funny. Well, he, he played it so awkwardly. Exactly. He's just, because he's all elbows. And, you know, even his scenes with River, which are supposed to be tender, you kind of just get this, how does that work? Especially since initially they started so awkwardly. Yeah. But Capaldi's just, I could see, because he's got that, I don't know, Sean Connery-esque element to him that the ladies are going to go nuts over. And so he's very adamant. I'm not flirting. I'm not doing this. It's like, eh, you kind of are a little bit there, you know? See, I, I think <laughs> they, my problem with that scene is, that with those particular words, I thought the scene worked, except for when you, they, they kept driving on the flirting thing. It, it felt it, like it that he was talking to the T-Rex instead of somebody yeah. else. Again, though, it felt like Moffat saying... That, that was another he- heavily written, hey, this is a doctor that isn't going to flirt with the ladies like the, the previous two did. And it, I I just felt like there was a lot of times that Moffat was doing a good job of explaining, hey, this is what the new doctor is going to be like. And then there was times that he was just kind of going overboard with it. And well, saying, it goes back to that, that meta sometimes when he, you don't at have the end to when he says, anything. I'm not your boyfriend. You know, it's like, yeah, sometimes you is, don't you know? have to say anything and prove it on your actions, not your words. It may, it, it, like I said, it may be one of those things that a year from now, the whole episode is going to fall apart and not work. It may be that we find a new level for some of these things to work on and that we were only taking it at this face value of, no, of, of what's been true. presented. Um, do a few more things because I I'm did. getting a little worried with the storm rolling in if we lose power. So let's see. The, uh, the scene in the alley, I think, is a very important one. Not mm-hmm. just from I, I would the, agree the, with the, the, you know, why does this face look familiar? What am I trying to tell myself? And, of course, I'm shouting at the TV, don't go to Pompeii. <laughs> <laughs> but, I think that's why. I think that we're going to address that. I, I think so, too. And I kind of hope, you know, and maybe that's what the the speculative Lanzarote we're going back to the scene of an old adventure is maybe we're yeah. maybe we're going back to Pompeii did you see it pointed on. out what it uh, August oh uh, 23rd Volcano right? Day was August Volcano 23rd Volcano Day that's what uh, uh, when 10 steps out and when they're, they're he realizes they're in Pompeii he and Donna and the, he realizes what's going to happen he goes it's it's August 23rd Volcano Day 
And I didn't Peter Capaldi's even first episode aired on August twenty third. Oh, how this weird year. is that? Yeah. So somebody pointed that out and wondered if there'd be a tie-in. So. so Doctor Who is not back on Easter Saturday. It's back on Volcano Day. Volcano that's Day. What we, that's <laughs> what we'll start. Start hyping it. Up. Um, I didn't realize it at the time. I was trying to look at the paper, by the way, the Times, to see what the date was on the Times. Oh, paper. when he was. Yeah. Um, the bum that was in the alley was Liz Slayton's husband. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. Which I thought, really? was, yeah, I thought that oh, was a fun little bit. Cool. And did a According to Wikipedia, job. Yeah. the actual eruption like, occurred on August twenty fourth. Well, but one day, land, af- one day after, they after they landed, Vulcanalia. Don't you remember yeah. they landed the day before? before. And he said, so, "This is the twenty third. Maybe he says tomorrow's Volcano Day. But yeah, yeah he, they landed yeah. on the twenty third. Yeah. Regardless, it's Volcano Day. Um, but I, the whole, I mean, again, played for comedic effect, but it's all right until you get to the eyebrows and then they're off on their own little, you know, you could open bottle openers with these. And, you know, I love the fact that they're playing with, with that yep. in, in the regeneration. Those way. were appropriate lines. But here's the kicker. When we get to the end of the episode and these patchwork robots that are doing their re- regeneration of their own and how well that paralleled what was going on with him when he's yelling at the half face man, you've replaced every part so often that it's not even your face anymore. And he holds up the thing. And uh, Ben Watley, I think the director's name did a wonderful job. Oh yeah. Uh, every shot of this thing I thought was brilliantly the, the back of the thing, but and reflecting, and reflecting Capaldi's, Capaldi's face in it. Yeah, and how much does that sentiment echo onto him yeah. as well? And I just, I, I loved that that was, was so well done. Um, all the scenes you in the restaurant. You make an excellent Dalek. Yes. I just remember that, you know, when, he's, when, when uh, Nine's going yes. off on uh, the Dalek. All the scenes in the restaurant that we've got this fun little bickering married couple but not thing going on between the Doctor and Clara. And then all of a sudden he brings up the, but what are these people doing? And you begin to hear the TikTok Mm-hmm. And oh, oh, that was a moment. I loved that. that. Was so cool. And then they, well, I guess to change their mind. Yeah, okay. And they get up. Nope. Well, let's have another look at the menu. Okay. <laughs> you know, just there were moments in the episode that it, he almost felt too Sherlocky. Uh, where it's not, no, that's not it, the question you should be it's asking. Not, it's this. It's not too Sherlocky though. I think it was it was a toned down Sherlock, and I'm glad that they well, did maybe. because they could have easily re- reached for that and did that real Sherlock. You know that we've deduction gotten used to thing, deduction, yeah. and they didn't. It was it was a more subtle Sherlocky. It was more Victorian London Sherlock, is what it felt yeah. like. So I kind of well, liked yeah, that. And, yeah. and still oddball Doctor. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. You know, the, the question is not why did the dinosaur is this distractor? How did it self distractor? Who did it? It's have there been any more murders like this? Yeah. And very specific language murders. You yeah. Know. Have there been any no, other? He murders? said other occurrences. No, he's, 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 he said murder. I went Is back and murder? watched it twice. He, did so he say said murder. murder. Oh, I they said other occurrences. And, and that, that's one of the. Oh, Vastra says there have been other occurrences. There have been other occurrences. That's right. She yeah. says occurrences. Um, and I, I, I liked the fact that the doctor took this very personally, that he felt bad that he abducted the dinosaur accidentally. And, and I'm promising you I'm going to get yeah. you home. And then he doesn't. That's a little bad. <laughs> that he was, he was going to do that. The basement level of the, of the restaurant. And all of the, uh, you know, stuff. Now, this is the part that I didn't quite get, is you've got all these really good-looking robots down there. But it's Half-Face Man that goes out to collect parts. That seems a little odd to me. How is it the leader doesn't have a full face? Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and mismatched hands. We only saw him collect one part, so who knows? He yeah. Have well, but he went up for the dinosaur, too. So Yeah, but he had to burn that thing. <laughs> well, I'm, After the optic nerve. I'm presuming he burned the guy he stole the eyes from, too. Yeah. Did you guys recognize him? 
Uh, no, I mean, I he was familiar to me, but I couldn't. Game of Thrones. That's what he's from. That's it. The guy that got burned, or the, the half face man. The, no, the guy the, that got uh, burned. No, no, no. The, the guy, guy who took the eyes from. from. And then probably got burned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming he's one of the eight. Um, he was the fool who wound up helping. Uh, okay, never mind. So, <laughs> lost to the mist of time. Um, but so we've got this downstairs stuff in the basement, and he runs off, and I was so angry. I, I, I went from I'm enjoying this, I'm having a good time to instant fury. And nope, you lost me. This isn't my doctor. This isn't. This is not a doctor thing to do. What are you doing? This is wrong. And I like the fact that Claire figured it out. And again, beautifully shot with this point of view camera as she's going down the hallway. And we've got the red flashes, which yeah. took me a minute. It's like, what is it? Oh, she's blacking out. Colors too. You know, the you know all this kind of stuff. And then that last breath, and then she passes out. And he comes back to save her, but I'm like, uh, I don't know if I, I don't know if that's enough to get past the fact that you left her in the first what, place. What's interesting is that it is somewhat foreshadowed in yeah. the alley scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it very much well, is. There's no use in both of us being cold. It's a very almost doctorish thing to say. But see, I thought that it's I thought a that, very alien. Of there's no sense in two people. I thought that because when he said it to the guy in the alley, the bum in the alley, I thought, oh man, that's harsh. You're just you're you're not a very nice guy. Especially since we've had and other so, doctors that haven't seemed to be bothered by the cold. But I so that's that, kind of been a man. Okay, well, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm assuming also that in that was, scene that in post regeneration he doesn't have quite control of his yeah. cardiovascular system sure. that he should. I'll buy that for a dollar. Why not? <laughs> okay, but making it's making that, that point, making that point of well, well, there's no reason for both of us to be cold, and then making you go, oh, that's rude. That's not very doctor like. Drives home the idea that that's what makes you really mad is when he says, well, there's no reason for both of us to, you know, it's like that's what drives it home. And I think that was the reason for that it was yeah. was to really drive that home. But then to pick up on it and he rescues her, I think that was. I, I wasn't sure if it were if it fully redeemed him or not oh, that he came back for. Until I watched it a second time, and when Clara blacks out, he's the droid that picks her up and yeah. brings her yeah. back. Yeah. yeah, I didn't notice that the first yeah. time. Well, but he's know, been there for her. For her yeah, I didn't know to look for him. But it's, it's see, but I, I I remembered that that's who picked him up, and when he took the mask off. Now I didn't know that was a doctor, but yeah. once he revealed that that's who it was, I remembered he was the one that dragged her. Yeah, no. I, the other thing that I thought was telegraphed to us was when he was talking about the face when he pulled the face off the waiter, and then he puts it on hers, <laughs> and it says it's you know it's actually a face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she of course freaks out. That was away. a foreshadowing to the disguise to him in figuring out to use the faces of the disguise. Yeah, especially yeah. <laughs> well, he's stuck on the planet of the pudding brains. <laughs> pudding brains. <laughs> um, but so all of that was wonderful, and then this is the thing that I think is interesting. I, I, mean, I wish we. Uh, I, I want to start watching the After Who thing that they do with Nerdist. And I, I, I don't know if it's going to be continuous it, or if it was just for the Oh, was it just premiere. maybe the one thing? That was a big crack They made such a big deal about the premiere that I, don't, I, I haven't seen anything about uh, continuing. Uh, apparently, um, a, a number one trending hashtag from this, <laughs> Skin Balloon. Yep. <laughs> Worldwide, Skin Balloon was the right, number one right. trending hashtag. That was creepy. <laughs> cool. Well... But creepy. Just means that the droids aren't very wasteful. Yeah. It's true. Then now we know what happened to all the people that didn't make it. Um, okay, Except so for all the ones they burned. What else have we got? We've got the Pattern Arster Gang. Well, we've got to talk about the struggle. We've got to talk about the We have to talk about the struggle in the thing. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think? I, 
Did, did, did the doctor manage to convey to this, this half-human, half-cyborg, half-robot, whatever he is, that he, he should override his basic programming and throw himself out the window? Or because we get that wonderful, ambiguous shot of the doctor kind of looking directly into camera at the end, do we think he may have hucked him? I don't know. I kind of go back to rule one. <laughs> if one of their basic programming is lying, what's the number one rule? The doctor lies. What'd you think? I don't know. I I I I, I, I like that they left it ambiguous. I, I do. I like. I'm going to cheat and say my answer is I, I'm not going to decide. And the reason I'm not going to decide is because this is the first episode of a series, and I think that's what we're supposed to discover. And I think that it's 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 particularly baiting us to make a decision. It's 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 baiting us into going. No, he surely didn't do that because I have this preconceived notion of the doctor. Or yeah, he really did do that because it's a much darker doctor, and that's evident of what we've been set up to believe. That's it's baiting you to come up with a conclusion, and so I've decided not to take the bait, and I'm not going to decide what really happened there until it's divulged, which I think will be divulged. To Glenn has learned the lesson of the episode: no, <laughs> no, no preconceived notions, yes. no prejudging. Um, I, I, I loved it. I loved the fact that they went there and didn't I relished tell us. in the idea that they did it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm very, very excited for that because honestly, it's one of the things. The doctor flat out told him, "I have this horrible feeling that I'm going to have to kill you." And just hearing him say it was like, wow, we've reached that point. Mm -hmm. And again, this is one of those, oh, Superman doesn't kill. Yeah, he does. If he absolutely has to, sure. I kind of look at the doctor that way and sometimes. We're going to try every possible way out of this before we reach that point. But if it comes down to it, I'm going to engineer events that this is going to happen to (laughs) you, you know? Maybe I won't actually do the pushing, but I'm going to make sure that you fall. You know, I don't know. I just I, I like the fact that they left it up to your interpretation of that look. Yeah. Yep. That was such a brilliant thing. What about the end end with this crazy Missy woman? What do we think about that? Well, again, <laughs> I, I was really surprised she showed up so early. Um, my only niggle with that is the fact that we talked about a interview with Moffat or somebody that said that this was going to be this season would feel more like a, a one-off each week and that, I think that we was wouldn't more on have five-ish it, than here. Yeah, we wouldn't have uh, that a there continuing was be like plot. A small thread in small every thread. episode. And so that bothered me that, okay, here we go. This is the continuing thread. This is the drop this in here at the end so that but on the flip side of that I kind of think the whole season needs a package and so if they continue to do it this way and don't get real cutesy and clever to where it starts to become Vaster looking through, or not Vaster, uh, Kavorian. Kavorian looking through the thing all the time, I'll be all right with it. In fact, I would well, love for every, will be I would love for every episode follow, every episode to end with the last person, the, the, the bad guy in the episode showing up there in that exact same garden and her welcoming him. I think every episode should do that. If the, That would be clever. That would be really clever. That would be cool. Any thoughts on who this woman is? Ronnie. No, I'm just going to say because everybody out there, I haven't read the, the, the reviews. I haven't reading, seen Ronnie. I think there's people out there probably already shouting Ronnie, so uh, might as well throw it out there. No, I don't know that it's the, the there's, Ronnie. There's people shouting Ronnie. There's people shouting River, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, to here's here's why first, people are shouting River, because she says she calls him his, boy, his boyfriend. boyfriend. Yeah. But I if think, it was River, I'm sorry, husband. I think, yeah. yeah. I think it's going to be, I think Moffat's going to do an opposite thing. I think he's, he's got a stalker 
woman that's in love with him, mm. like dangerously in love with him instead of it being <laughs> as opposed to <laughs> well is instead of a companion being in love with him or him falling for a companion or in the case of river a situation where i think he really did kind of come to love river and have a relationship with her this is going to be that really awkward this woman's dangerous and she's obsessed with him and, and in love with him and I think we're gonna I think that must be the angle that Moffat's taking. The third one that I think is, is very interesting, I don't think he'll go there, but he could, is that this is the master. That the master has regenerated as a woman. And I, I think this is interesting for a couple, a couple different reasons. First of all, we we've established that Moffat's kind of the one who feels strongest about playing fast and loose with that rule and saying, Yeah, this can happen. But fandom wasn't ready for a female doctor yet. So I think maybe this would be his way of saying, okay, how about this? And, and giving you a female master. And maybe that's a little more acceptable. It also wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past the master to <laughs> describe the doctor as his boyfriend. <laughs> which plus, is, is there. Plus when asked last week, Moffat, about bringing the master back, Moffat distinctly said, no, I think that we're done with that storyline. So obviously it's got to be the master. Moffat lies. There's one more theory I saw. Alton Brown, fan favorite chef. <laughs> Who's part of that ending thing? Who is part of the after show? Presented the idea that it's a TARDIS, not the TARDIS, but a TARDIS, kind of like Idris. I don't want to go there again. Yeah, I don't. Know. It's the master's TARDIS, and she's mad. She she wants revenge. For for killing the master, she did. You know have, what? I oh, think it's none of these things. The master did I have. I, I like hang on, best hang on. The master did have, or the Ronnie. The Ronnie had a, a Tyrannosaurus in her TARDIS <laughs> that grew to enormous proportions. Yeah, and broke its neck. If we're to believe that version of events. <laughs> Maybe she dropped it off in the prehistoric era and then it choked on a TARDIS. We don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think, honestly, I, I think somewhat unfortunately, I think this is going to be a one-off Moffat character. I don't think it's going to be any of the big ones. No. I think it's just going to be I think be it's going to be much new. like uh, What's-Her-Face from Time of the Doctor. Oh, uh, um, the, the, the head of the church. The head of the church, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's going to be a similar, you know, Kavorian kind name? of. I can't either. I can't either. And we just watched we that just on watched Friday. Her. She's in her. I think she's in Legacy too. She is now. Huh. Oh, and for those of you that are playing Legacy, all kinds of season eight content dropped. Go get it. Yes. <laughs> well, so far just one, but all okay. kinds of season eight content just dropped. Go <laughs> get it. Three of three the same levels with three difficulties, and Capaldi is your reward. So, um, you know, um, you mentioned a while ago the way Moffat wrote it. And it wasn't until this story that I took stock in his statement back when I saw a post-interview with Night of the Doctor, where he said, pretty much, you write the Doctor and the actor puts a stamp on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw so much of that here. Yeah. So much of the lines I could have heard in Matt's voice. Yeah. But it was done so differently from Capaldi's I'll voice. tell you, it was th that's one of the most interesting things coming in this for me is the fact that I've, I've watched a lot of stuff with Peter Capaldi, especially really recently and especially blowing through uh, the thick of it and wondering from all of these, Capaldi I don't want to, I don't want to undersell him he's, Capaldi's really kind of Capaldi in everything, but he's 
he's different aspects in every character that I've seen him in. So uh, that's kind of weird to explain. But so I kind of went into this wondering if I was going to see that same element of Capaldi that I saw in everything that he's been in. And this one was a little weird because when I got into it, I, I started to see kind of the Capaldi I'd seen, not not necessarily Malcolm uh, Tucker in the thick of it because he's really, really, really a jerk. Um, <laughs> but just elements of, of all of those different things I started to see. And then as the episode went on, it really it changed. It was like, okay, this isn't really kind of the Peter Capaldi that I've been growing to love and all this other media that I'm seeing. And so I was really quite fascinated with the, 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 the edge that he took and the, the change that he did with the character. And you're right when you say you can write the word doctor and it's the actor that put a stamp on it. And I think Capaldi is doing that. Yeah, he really character. is. Yeah. Well, and it's even if I haven't seen as much Capaldi as you have, but the start felt very much Capaldi, and by the end of it, I felt, oh, this is the Doctor. Mm-hmm. All of the actors stripped away, and it's, oh, he's the Doctor. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how Matt Smith did it, how David Tennant did it, yeah. how pretty much every other Doctor has done it. By the time their f- first episode ends, it's it's not this person playing the Doctor. They are yeah. the Doctor. It, it, it took the putting, maybe this is silly, for me, it took the, the, the trappings. He had to be in the TARDIS, in the outfit, and then all of a sudden, that was I'm done with this whole up and down business, and this is and and stabilized now. And it's funny because when when after the phone call, when when Clara kind of looks to him and he says, "I'm not on the phone. I'm right here." All I could think of was that, and and it works. The the scene from Hook, where the kid walks up to to Robin Williams and squishes his face back, and he's staring at him real hard. Goes, "Oh, there you are, Peter." And that's what I felt like that Clara was doing, that she had mushed his face back. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, there you are. You know? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay. And there's Peter Capaldi, so it works. Although I have to say, I'll go back and say that I did see some Malcolm Tucker when uh, Clara held, uh, hugged him, and he says, I'm not a hugger. And the way that he was <laughs> doing just the, kind of the yeah, hands. <laughs> Okay, that's Malcolm. <laughs> so I was like, well, go, go get coffee or chips. What's going up with the schedule, Sean? I don't have any money. You're fetching. I don't think I'm a fetcher. I don't think you have a say in it. Ah, good stuff. Uh, Next week, Into Darkness. No, that's not right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think we're headed into darkness, isn't we? Um, Our show next week will be all about Into the Dalek, which is the second episode of uh, Season 8, or Series 8. Uh, so to uh, celebrate our Friday Night Who will be Revelation of the Daleks with Colin Baker. And um, Mel brought up an interesting point. I almost went with this. Uh, we're going to go ahead and do Colin just because we haven't done a Colin in a while and it's time to do a Colin. But she said, well, if they're going into a Dalek, shouldn't you do Asylum of the Daleks? Because <laughs> Clara was in a Dalek. And I went, ooh, that's kind of a good one, too. And maybe they'll address that. <laughs> I think they will address it. I think that's... Well, maybe we should watch that one instead. Cool. But No, I want to do Colin. <laughs> Glenn wants to do Colin, so we're going to do Colin. So Revelation of the Daleks for Friday Night Who. Uh, I need a reason to go out and buy Doctor Who this week, so... <laughs> There's my reason. <laughs> There's your reason. I already own an, I already own Asylum. Um, and then uh, the following week, we're, we will do Androids of Tara with Tom Baker, followed by Robots of Sherwood. Oh, you're just going to give out the episode titles. I guess yeah. you already posted them. They're, 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 they're all on the they're And all interestingly the enough, last thought of the day, the uh, crazy woman, when she welcomes the robot to paradise, she... Missy. Missy. Okay. She actually calls it Welcome to Heaven. She says Welcome to Heaven, and the final episode yeah. is called Death in Heaven. Yeah, yeah. 
I wonder. We'll see. So we'll see. We'll find out. We will find out. But yeah, schedule is posted. Thank you, Keith, because I, for whatever reason, can't log into the website right now. So uh, Keith got it posted for us, and it's up there, and uh, you can take a look. And we tried. Some of these episodes may not have anything to do with what's coming up on season I do address that in the post. Um, You know, sue us. (laughs) (laughs) We did the best we could. Right up to the end, we were working on this one. So, all right. Well, be sure to uh, check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, on um, Tumblr, on uh, the Google Doctor Plus. Google Plus, on the uh, Doctor Who Book Club, on Goodreads, um, on YouTube. We are also uh, still soliciting um, subscriptions on uh, Patreon. Help us out. We need to get a um, uh, new server, and we're still working on that. So, um, anything that you can do to help us out would be great. Also just added to our website, along with our Amazon store, which you can still purchase content that uh, proceeds go to us, we have a spread shirt site now. So, um, What's a spread shirt Spread shirt is our store on the – it's powered by Spreadshirt, and you have uh, merchandise now that says Traveling the Vortex <gasps> on it. So you can get you mugs, can buy shirts, shirts. mugs. Um, I think I've got shot glasses on there right now for podcast juice. Um, I might have to get a mug. Uh, so so go there and, and shop there, and uh, we'll be expanding that store soon. There's only a few products there now, but uh, continue to check back there. And if something doesn't suit your fancy now, um, something maybe eventually will. So we're or expanding that store Or if there's something you want to well. see, let us know. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. if you've seen Keith's shirt, which Sean and I had shirts as well, but unfortunately ours met with... Um, certain demise. Um, if you've seen Keith's shirt, that's right now the design that's up there now. So um, be sure and, and check that out and, and and order often, please. So Now, is this like a Big Bang Theory where I'm going to be stuck at home putting together thousands of T-shirts because everybody's <laughs> going to order myself? Or yes. is there a... Oh, you are, particularly. Me are, particularly. Yeah, Keith and I are out of that. Your production. You, you, you know my iron-on doesn't work so well. <laughs> <laughs> That's why our shirts met us our design. No, this is I guess I should be the one doing this it. This is a professional company that uh, oh, will good. do them for us. Oh, good. Because we wouldn't want to... <laughs> Because if, if anything, it's going to be professional. Okay. Hey, I paid $15 for this shirt, and this design just fell right off. But underneath the logo, it says a Traveling Vortex exclusive. <laughs> That's what I've come to expect from these guys. Anything else we need to talk about before we leave? I don't think so. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. In Catching my breath, letting it go. Turning my cheek for the sake of the show. Now that you know this is